Sup, ladies and gentlemen, Aquilon here, and welcome back to the Frozen Sodium Throne. Rurikon, how you doing, brother? I am doing fantastic for once. Isn't that a rare thing, huh? I actually <laughs> feel good. I don't I don't think I even slept that much, but for some reason I've just oh, had shit. more energy because I've been working out a little bit more. So it's good stuff, nice. man. I'm good to go. I'm set to friggin' take oh, on yeah. the internet by storm. Did you uh did you start working out or have you always worked out and you're just now I've, doing a little bit more? I've started working out more more uh, kind of at least at least i've been making an effort to do so and i kind of feel like yeah. it makes me feel better you know it also, does actually yes ever since i started going to the gym in the mornings i feel a million times better it just gives you that fucking start to your day increase yeah. your energy intake all that shit so definitely can recommend if you feel piss poor every single day start going to the gym yes um do, it's do, sore as fuck and you're pretty much always sore but hey and here's the thing <laughs> even the fun even if you can't go to the gym like get a bunch of dumbbells or something and just like mm. do some push-ups do some squats like just push-ups and squats yeah. will drive up your energy like nobody's business it's fan freaking tastic dude I'm gonna get Especially jacked, if you're, jacked and ripped, and I'm gonna turn to the Hulk. No, it's never gonna happen. I'm never gonna work out that Especially if hard. you're a guy, by the way. If you're a guy, uh, squats is like the best exercise you can do because really, it is the exercise that releases more testosterone than any other. So it, it is a good fucking exercise to do as a guy. Uh, just yes. a couple of squats, even if it's just fucking air squats. You know, just do like 20, 30 air squats every two, three hours. Good to go. Um, yeah. but anyways, uh, we've got again, a full fucking, uh, topic list of and topics we'll... that we of course will not cover because yeah, we'll... we will only get to about two or three of them, um, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, this is the worst show to watch if you're looking for news in yes. the gaming industry, because we're basically giving you like three bits of news and then the rest is just not fucking covered. I... Unless it's important enough that it goes over to the next week, and we put that on top of the list next week, which is rare, but it does happen. I th um, I think I think the the key aspect of the show is in the delivery. You understand? That's 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 where oh, the yeah. real the real key aspect of this show is, which is a good place to be. In. Just true. Hit the delivery, nail the delivery, and boom. And let's get started. This is actually a topic that you wanted to talk yeah. about. So I, I think that everybody's noticed that there's been a little bit of an MMORPG resurgence, uh, particularly yeah. with uh, even I think you, you gave out a really good sentence a couple of podcasts ago where, you know, World of Warcraft was kind of failing a little bit and a, a little bit. Yeah, World of Warcraft was fumbling and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of publishers were like, whoa, the king does bleed. And, you know, we start yeah. seeing more and more MMORPGs coming out and stuff. And even the ones that are, that are already on the market are like improving uh, themselves yeah. significantly, which again, that's where the whole resurgence comes from. But you were yep. telling me about how you've been seeing an increasing sentiment of people quitting MMOs. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of weird because from there's a resurgence from people that have quit years ago when MMOs really was in its lull period. So for a really long time, it's basically been World of Warcraft and nothing else. Final Fantasy was already around and it was already really good. The problem was very few people knew about it, and those who did know about Final Fantasy 
knew of it from its original launch. So a lot of people are like, ah, oh, that game, shit. I'm not going to play that. So what else do you play? Because Star Wars, shit, right? At least in terms of anything that most MMO players would care about. If you're someone that cares about story, Star Wars is great, but most MMO players don't just play for the story. See, Star Wars, Sorry, Star Wars yeah? almost would have been a better single-player game, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, it's built as a single-player game. Yeah, the entire much. story is fully voice-acted. Uh, it's it's an entire plot that it plays out, and the worst parts of that game. And I've played. I've, I've I'm at level forty, I think, in Star Wars. And I will say this: the worst part of that game is the dungeons. Like whenever I get a quest that I have to go into a dungeon for, I I loathe that because I like the, the fighting points. is horrible. I thought they were good. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of them. Just because the the combat is horrible. Like, the combat really doesn't flow. When you think of being a Jedi, Star Wars does not deliver the Jedi experience. At least not the way that I want it. It's not like if you're... Play uh, have you played The Last Jedi? The Last Jedi? Is that the... Is that the, the recent one? No, that was Fallen Order. Yeah, from Order. Respawn. From no, that was Respawn. Fallen Order, not um, The Last Jedi. Last Jedi was the movie, dude. No, but I it's something like it could it's be Fallen Order, Order, but it it's, is it's the Fallen Last Order. Jedi, right? <laughs> no, it's it not. is the Last Jedi because he is literally the Last Jedi. Uh, but like, it's not called. I don't think him. it's called the Last Jedi. What the hell? Let me just see. No, uh, we have Jedi. to fact check this. What the hell? I'm checking now. Fallen um, Order. I think it's just it's called Star Fall Wars Jedi. Star Wars Fallen Jedi Order, Fallen me, Order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've yeah. played that. The I reason I, the reason I thought Lost Jedi is he is literally the Lost Jedi. Like that's how that they find him because they didn't think any Jedi still survived. Yeah, and then they discover him on a fucking like. Uh, I think it was on planet a slave planet. planet. Yeah, breaking things up. Yeah, slave yeah. planet sort of thing, and uh, he just happens to have like a shit ton of Jedi powers and crap. Um, or at least he has. He's strong the in the force. They didn't bring yeah. up the midichlorians. They're like, well, we don't talk about the midichlorians. At least I don't remember them bringing up the midichlorians. <laughs> I I haven't played that much yet, but I will say in Jedi: The Fallen Order, that the the combat there is is phenomenal, right? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it is what you want for a Jedi. It's it, it was like they were very inspired by Dark Souls and whatnot. So that's kind of like the the vibe that yeah. they went for. That that game was. That game was a lot of fun, and on top of it, mm -hmm. it was if, even though it wasn't like an amazing Star Wars story, it was an okay Star Wars story, which is like the best we can yeah. hope for these days. <laughs> After the sequel, yeah, trip, I mean, you can only expect you can get an okay Star Wars story every now and then. That's about as right. far as they're willing to go. <laughs> no, I think respawn. I think respawn did a really solid yeah. job on it. I think. Um, I think for what it was, it delivered on what people wanted from it. And the ratings show that, right? It got a 4.1 from audiences out of a possible 5. It got an 8.5 out of a possible 10 on IMDb. Yeah, I did. Um, um, so, you know, it's decent. It, I did, I even, of course, the, I even the did like fucking a full IGNs play give it 9 out of 10. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, because it's IGN. But I don't think it's a 9 out of 10 game. Because 9 out of 10 means close to perfect. Yeah. And I don't think it's that. I would I, give it seven, maybe seven point five. I I don't really rate games. It, it usually the way that I go is like, hey, is this worth playing? Is it not worth playing? And to me, it's all, it was like, hey, if you like Star Wars, you'll probably enjoy this. It was it was an an, yeah. an enjoyable 
journey, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely. But this is where Star Wars The Old Republic falls flat, in my opinion, because it doesn't have that. If you want to be a Jedi, that is the worst game you could play in order to be a Jedi. Not from yeah, a story perspective, it. but from a combat perspective. See, because I played as a smuggler, because like my favorite characters on Solo, I was like, uh -huh. yeah, dude, this is cool. Because the smuggler was all about getting into cover and doing stuff. And it's more about of a, oh, pop out and shoot and whatnot. And, you know, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. worked better with that combat, I felt like. So I, en mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I mean, I, I love the story. I'm not so, such a fan. But anyways, back to the original sort of yeah, point. People, this is why we never finish news stories. Yes, I know. We, we, we get on we tangents. We go into a fucking tangent about <laughs> the combat in two different games. It's very important but, to uh, talk about it. Yeah. Uh, the, the, what I've seen uh, is a lot of people quit back in the day just because maybe they were a little bit tired of World of Warcraft. Let's be real. Yeah. World of Warcraft had a couple of rough years. Um and there was nothing else to play, so they went to single-player games. But, as we know, there's something special about MMOs. Yes. Uh, first person or, or single-player games are great, and they're a lot of fun, and they can do things that MMOs can't do. But MMOs can do things that they can't do, and there's something special about that. So those people are now returning in great numbers. But what I've seen from my Q&As and my discussions with people on Discord and stuff like that there's more and more of the quote-unquote old guard sticklers, you know, the ones who never actually left, that have reached a point where they're like, I, I can't take this anymore. As you saw with that Reddit post that yeah. got like uh, a great many upvotes as a result of this. Um, you know, and, and you can see in the comments as well. There, and this is not just I linked this one to you. But if you go on the MMORPG yeah, subreddit, you can, you'll you see many more. posts yeah. like this. And that's why I've been following it, this sort of as a back background story. It's it's not it's not even like I'm surprised because like I'll see on my main channel where I don't cover MMOs every time I mention an MMO in passing, like I'll talk about 14 or I'll talk about World of Warcraft. You get a sentiment that a lot of people feel like they've been burned by the MMO genre to the point where they're like, no, no, no. Yeah. I'd, I don't I don't mess with MMOs anymore. Like I I don't if it's an MMO, I'm not interested. It's like people yep. don't even consider that there can be interesting experiences in a lot of ways whenever it comes to discussing yep. MMOs. Even in this channel, which is mostly dedicated to MMOs, uh, there's still people there that, that are still feeling burned by the MMO genre, which I kind of feel mm. is in a large part due to the fact that, you know, companies a lot of companies jumped onto it due to the fact that, you know, hey, it's the, the hot new thing. Look at this World of Warcraft yep. thing. Look at all of these sales. They just kind of tend to follow the money, right? Which yep. leads to having a bunch of games that actually don't have a soul. You have to be extremely passionate about developing an MMO if that MMO is going to be successful. And, yes. you know, the, the introduction of more and more pay-to-win mechanics, people no longer feel like, a lot of MMOs are a balanced, a, a fair playing field, let's call it that. It's more like, yeah. oh, if you put money in, it's whatever. And I've, I've seen the argument from like, you know how you, sometimes you have streamers that they will, because of the fact that they are playing like a pay-to-win game, and they're like, oh, I'm going to expose this pay-to-win game. I'm going to spend a bunch of money on it. And they yeah. essentially end up normalizing the whole thing. We talked about this. I don't know if it was on the previous podcast or if it was in a, another video that I talked about that, but they end up normalizing yeah. the whole thing. And it's like, 
people end up not really enjoying that because what ends up mm-hmm. happening is, hey, you know, it's normalized now, so everybody's going to start spending money, and there's more and more yep. people spending more and more money on these free-to-play, pay-to-win games, and you lose yep. that equalizer that used to be. It's like, hey, I, you know, I join into a game. I want to be able to make things be fair. And sometimes some of these streamers bring up the argument. It's like, well, it's never been fair because some people can play for more time than others. And it's like, well, yes, but that is something that we are kind of like willing to accept, I feel like, because, hey, look, time is time. It is what it is, right? You put in more yeah. time, you get to be better. I just think it's, un- I, I fundamentally disagree with the whole thing of like, oh, you can pay for convenience, pay to keep up, because at the end of the day, it ends up being paid to not be inconvenienced. That is what ends yeah. up happening. So I will say this, it, it, it's, it's, frank, it's actually frightening to see how far we've fallen. Yeah. Because I remember way back in the day, right? And I've been playing WoW since the early days. And I remember back in Wrath, you know, it was, so MMOs started out as being this almost ticket to print money. You know, if you made an MMO, you would just automatically make a shit ton of money. So what would happen is, Every single company that came up in the ranks would make their MMO. And there was a time where you would get like new MMOs almost every month. There would be a new yeah. MMO. And we would usually look at those MMOs and we would we would literally just say, no, thank you. Because every single one of these unknown companies that were making MMOs would have things like level skips that you could buy or, uh, you know, buy increased XP or you could you could buy gear or some shit like that, you know? Like, the, they had cash shops. And I remember being a WoW player back in the day, and we would be like, oh my god, thank fuck we're able to pay a $15 a month subscription so we don't have to deal with this crap. Oh, and and no. it was a huge discussion back in the day where we would go, you know, should WoW go free-to-play? And everyone would be like, no, fuck, because then we're going to have to deal with the same shit that all these other MMOs have which is cash shops and, and you know, just disgusting monetary bullshit uh, and monetizations. And what's ended up happening is that all of those games that used to have a subscription because, you know, you paid your subscription so that you didn't have to deal with those things, now have that subscription plus you having to deal with those things. Yeah. Because, you know, all of them now have a cash shop and ways to buy boosts or levels or skip levels or get extra, uh, you know, extra XP or anything like that. Uh, they're all now baked into a $15 a month game that you have to pay for in order to play, but then also pay for some of the content because not all the content is part of the game. It's incredible how far we've fallen. And I can see why for so many people that have stuck it out, you know, they've they've tried to stay with it. They've reached the point now where they're going, look, it doesn't appear to me as if any of these companies still care about making good video games. Instead, what it feels like is most of these companies are far more interested in how much can we make. And once we figure out how much we can make, that's when we'll start looking at, so how good can we make the game, considering we have to make as much money as possible? You know, um, so I, I understand why people have gone, yeah, I'm I'm done. You know, especially since you go on Steam, there's thousands of games there that you can play that have zero cash shops, zero disgusting monetizations. It's just the game. Buy it and play it. Why wouldn't you? You know, especially since if you just buy uh, World of Warcraft, 
you're instantly inundated with multiple versions of the game. It's not just go buy Dragonflight. It's like, well, do you want the epic version, the legendary version, the, the digital legendary version, version yeah. the collector's edition? Which version of the fucking 500 versions do you want? They're not that different, but every single one of them will give you something else. Now, are you going to level through the most boring leveling experience you've ever had in your life because you will not understand a single thing after you've leveled to max level? Or are you just going to buy a level skip? You know, obviously you have to make that decision too. Then there's a cool mount that releases not in the game because none of the cool mounts are in the game. You have to buy it off of the shop. And as a player, you're looking at this and going, dude, I, I, I literally just paid you $15 yesterday and now you're charging me $25 for this mount in the fucking game that, you know, what is this? How how, how do you and fucking I think, value this shit? I think that a lot of these companies are maybe beginning to regret some of this stuff because, yeah, they make money in the short term. Yes, they mm -hmm. did. But ultimately, they ended up uh, creating a massive amount of resentment within a community. Now, there are people who ignore all of this resentment still, for sure. Um, and, yep. and basically, they consume the game anyway. But like I see in a lot of cases where there's, for instance, you talk about Blizzard nowadays, and there's mostly going to be instantly comments of people saying like, oh, no, I don't trust them. They're never going to be good again. They're never going to release anything good again. Like, that's kind yeah. of the sentiment. You you talk about EA. Like, I, I talked about, for instance, an article that came up from EA yesterday where they are um, they're working on a Monster Hunter-type game with Omega Force, and it's being published under the EA Originals. Now, now listen. Yeah, of course. I, I know... <laughs> I know that you, you're see see where you went to. You were like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 See, like actually, look at to where you went to. Like uh, for the people listening in audio, Echelon basically instantly face palmed the second he heard yep. EA. Right. So, dude, EA is like my yeah, fucking I know. cancer button. But but listen, you, listen, you say EA, I get cancer yes. in my and, and and I'm not just instantly. I'm not going to defend EA. I, I want to make sure you understand. <laughs> but notice that I said published under the EA originals label so let me tell yeah. you some of the games that have been published under the ea originals label it takes two i've heard nothing but good things about this game Same. unravel and unravel 2 i actually played both of these games these are really good games that you know it's not really a genre that i tend to get involved in too much but it is like a platformer genre puzzle platformer it's and it's got mm -hmm. beautiful like sceneries and and shit it's very artsy it's really cool the the unravel game this was a game that i was actually in the presentation where this game was revealed and the the the, the developers an indie guy walked out on stage started crying with this little doll that he had like shaking and shit because like he was so excited that the game was getting published like good game no microtransaction nonsense nothing a way out same thing and here's another interesting thing about it takes two and a way out these are uh co-op only games so they need to be played yeah. cooperatively with two players but only one person needs to own the game. So like if I own one of these games, I can send you something called like a friend pass or something and you're able yeah. to download the full game. And so long as you're playing with me, we can play the full game together. Yeah. Cause like these are very like positive experiences for people yeah. on the stuff that is published in this label. Now, I don't know if all of the games are like that because apparently rocket arena is also published under this label. And that's like one of those, online shooter things whatever but there's other single player good experiences like sea of solitude i hear good things Faye, I, I don't know if that is good or not lost and random so there are titles in here that are not just the monetization bukake 
that EA usually yeah. serves up, like FIFA, Madden, all this bullshit. So this game is being published under this label of EA, right? But people are still like, not nah, fuck you, it's EA. EA fucking blows. I don't want... Like, imagine mm -hmm. how much games like It Takes Two and Unravel and whatnot have been harmed over the fact that they've been published by EA. Well, Even you know, though they're not bad games. It's just these yeah. companies have built this reputation for themselves of ridiculous yeah. predatory monetization and nobody can take them seriously anymore. And they're going to start feeling it. This is why, like, uh, at some point earlier this year, there was that rumor that EA was trying to get bought out. EA's like, hey, man, anybody want to buy us? So yeah. Anybody want to come in and buy, it? buy us, please? We're for sale. Dude, I would, I would buy EA if only to get my hands on Bioware. Like, if I had the money... I would buy EA so that I could get Bioware. I would fucking close EA as quick as I could, and I would just continue with Bioware. Because, you know, fuck Battlefield. Yeah. I just want to revive all of the Bioware games and bring them back to their former glory days. But you know why they're doing this? Um, it's actually Mike Morheim that used to use this uh, sort of... Uh, what's the English word for it? Um, this analogy... So Mike Morheim used to say, there are two currencies as a video game developer. There is the money that you make from physical game sales and cash shops and things like that. And then there is what he called goodwill. Now, goodwill is a currency just like any other. It's literally more important, according to Mike Morheim, than money. Because goodwill is sort of stored up over time. So you make a great game, you get some goodwill from the community. You make another great game, you get some goodwill from I, the community. I think that the thing about goodwill is that it has a mm -hmm. high interest return rate. So it's like, it, oh, yeah. <laughs> it scales really nicely. The problem I mean, is that most of these publishers, they maxed out their goodwill credit cards. They maxed them out. Yeah, I mean, but that's, they're in massive debt. <laughs> but you see, that's exactly the thing. Um, I mean, goodwill is almost better than money. Why? Because if your goodwill is on the... Let's take CD Projekt Red, for example. CD Projekt Red built a, a, a goodwill basis with gamers everywhere, thanks to Witcher, Witcher 2, and Witcher 3. By the time Witcher 3 was out, gamers couldn't... Like, if, if CD Projekt Red asked gamers to drop to their knees and suck their dicks, gamers would be smiling like donuts nah, I wouldn't, immediately. I wouldn't do that. Because it's... Fuck that. Well, yeah, you, you're not a Witcher fan. But, you know... <laughs> no, uh, I am a Witcher fan. For those of us fan. that do play Witcher, um, <laughs> it, it is just one of those companies that can do no fucking wrong. So when they came out and they said, oh, you're cyberpunk, everyone immediately was yeah. like, okay, this is going to be good. I don't even have to fucking think about this. I will buy that game. And I pre-ordered it without even thinking. I wasn't I wasn't too bothered because it's CD Projekt Raid. It was a failure. So they've lost a little bit of credibility. They still have a lot, in my opinion. I still trust CD Projekt Raid to do the right thing because after it failed, they came back and they've been doing a great job of getting it back. But it has cost them goodwill. Yep. Now, you look at companies like EA, you look at companies like Ubisoft, you look at companies like Blizzard, they have effectively, for the last decade, expended all of their goodwill. Yeah, failure they ma maxed out failure. their credit cards. Goodwill yeah, credit cards maxed out. They are at zero, if not in the minus, with gamers. So whenever any of these companies now bring out a game that is even slightly questionable, 
they lose so much potential revenue because everyone's sort of going, mm, yeah, I don't know. Like, for example, Overwatch 2. Am I going to buy Overwatch 2? Fuck no. Yeah. Because Overwatch 2 is Overwatch 1 changed my fucking mind. Yep. Um, it, it's just, I don't trust them to make a good game. If it wasn't for the fact that I'm an actual content creator and it's my job, I wouldn't even buy Diablo 4 because I don't trust that Diablo 4 isn't just going to be another disaster I still, like Diablo I 3. I still don't know if I'm going to buy Diablo 4. Well, I, I want to play it, you know, uh, because it's streaming and it's content. But that's really the only reason for it. So if anything, it's going to pay for itself because I'll be streaming it. So I'm not actually going to be spending any money on it. But outside of that, if there's better games that comes out around the same time, I'll probably skip it too. I'm not pre-ordering that shit for fucking yeah. that's for naught. Right? I'm not pre-ordering that crap. I will buy it the day that it goes live. I have a very fast internet connection. It will take me like 10 minutes to download it. I don't give a fuck, but, the, but I will not pre-order. Kind of like bringing us back to the discussion, I think that one of the big problems when it comes to the MMORPG genre and why mm -hmm. people end up like building even more resentment is because... When you're talking about a company dicking you over on a single player game, that's one thing where it's like, okay, that yeah. was fucked up, but you know, it's a single player game. It's at yeah. the end of the day, it's kind of like whatever. But when you get fucked over on an MORPG, like imagine you've spent a significant chunk of hours in World of Warcraft or a significant chunk of hours in SWOTOR, ESO, yeah. Guild Wars, whatever. And then you feel like, you know, oh man, I spent all this time doing this and now this company is like driving this game into the fucking dirt, man, fuck them. Yeah. Like there's much bigger investment when it comes to the MMORPG, which is why people are a lot more careful about getting invested in MMORPGs and they're yeah. not willing to give games as much of a chance as they used oh, to absolutely. back in the day. Like yeah, for instance, I've been, I've been playing New World. We're going to be talking about it a little bit further in the show. And mm -hmm. I find it interesting that there are people who have uh, bought this game, right? When it came out, the game was yep. like $40, whatever. So it's not like a huge barrier to entry. Yeah, $40 is still really expensive for a lot of people. But like when you take into consideration the cost that it usually is to jump into an MMORPG, because you're either jumping into a free-to-play that's pay-to-win out the ass, so your commitment is going to be an exorbitant amount of time, or you're jumping into something where you're talking about paying a monthly fee. Those are usually the two options. Very rarely do you get a buy-to-play model that is now redonkulous pay-to-win. There's a yeah. little bit of that in ESO, even though ESO has like the infinite bag for crafting materials and whatnot. There's uh, a bit of that in Guild Wars 2, where again, it's not really pay-to-win, but there is a lot of pay-for-convenience in the form of like paying for bag slots and... Uh, that, I actually had a comment about this recently where I mentioned that in the video and someone said, I was about to tell you that's not the case. I've been playing it for years, like over 2,000 hours in this game. And then I realized you're right because I did buy bags last night. I'm like, yeah, of course you did because you've been playing it for long enough to do that. But, yeah. you know, you, you have a little bit of this. And in the case of New World, again, it was $40 and there still is no, for my understanding at least, there still is no pay for convenience but because the launch of the game was somewhat disastrous, people are so hesitant to get invested into an MMO that they owned the game and they were, and they came to my stream and they were asking me, is it really worth it to come back? I kind of don't think that it's worth it. Like, you know, they own the game. There's no yeah. like cost to just like installing it and trying it out again. But people yeah. are still extremely hesitant to dedicate any amount of time to it because of yeah. the fact that like they're scared they're going to get 
fucked over again. And I'm not criticizing anyone who does this, by the way. I'm, I think you should oh, no, be no. very careful of the way that you manage your time because that is the one currency you are never going to get back. You spend 10 hours playing a game, and those 10 hours ain't fucking coming back, so you better hope you had a good time. Well, <laughs> that's another problem, really, with MMOs, right? Because... The vast majority of MMOs, and this is sort of the one criticism that I can lobby against Final Fantasy XIV, as well as almost every other MMO out there. The vast majority of MMOs isn't designed to be enjoyed in the first few levels. No. Uh, this is why a lot of people, even though they own the game, they are like, uh, should I come back? Because they know. Uh, it's almost instinctive at this point. You're going to get in, you're going to play, you're going to fucking hate it. It's going to be boring as shit because, you know, it, it's designed to be that way because almost all of them are designed to be good at max level. Now, Final Fantasy sort of rectifies this because around about level 30, the story gets really good and you start to realize, well, actually, it was always about this story. It was never about anything else. Um, whereas almost all other MMOs, think about World of Warcraft, when does World of Warcraft actively get fun? Yeah, you're it's talking about Endgame, yeah. Yeah. If if you were to tell someone something about World of Warcraft to convince them to play, is there anything in the leveling experience that you would highlight as the reason for them to try and play that game? No. You'd be telling them I about mean, Mythic Plus. I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you what, though. A couple yeah. of years ago... Like, mm -hmm. when you're talking actual vanilla, not classic, vanilla, when people still didn't know what was going on and, like, exploring the world and whatnot, yeah, yeah. there would be value there because of the fact that, oh, yeah. particularly if you're playing on a PvP server and you get to, like, Terran Mill for the first time, I have good memories of Terran mm -hmm. Mill because that's when you get, at least from what I can remember in my server, that's where the, the real PvP experience starts happening. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you start having encounters with the Horde and Terran Mill and you're like, oh, fuck yeah, let's fuck those guys. Like, that mm -hmm. is fun. Like, that was fun, like, discovering that and, you know, engaging in that yeah. content. So, Nowadays, so people actively avoid that. Yeah, but I mean, that's because World of Warcraft, vanilla, at least the world was designed to be a character within the game. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, here's the world and we're going to give you a bunch of stories on top of it. The world was the a character, the player, and this is literally from Blizzard themselves. This is not me making this up. Blizzard themselves said, the world is a character, the players is the content. Right, So it was designed that the players are content. The content is the player. That's why things like South Shore existed. And those were memories that you could share with your friends. We're like, dude, you have to see. We had this battle in South Shore. And it was fucking wild, bro. Like We were fucking him up. We were killing their flight masters. They were fucking crying like little bitch-ass babies. You know, it was awesome. And your friends are like, God, I have to fucking try this. Yeah. Nowadays, you're not going to have that experience in any World of Warcraft expansion. Uh, it's all going to be about the end game. Oh, yeah, we were doing this really cool Mythic Plus. You know, it was on Plus Plus 15, and it was wild. You know, my tank died twice, and I was raising him. That, those are the experiences that you share. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should have a great end game experience. But th that the games are no longer designed to be good from day one. They're designed to get good. So when you sign up to a new uh, MMO, you almost know instinctively, I need to get to max level because that's when the game starts, you know? And 
that that can take a couple of days. It's not, you know, especially if you have a job. You're talking about at least a week of leveling every evening to get to max level. I don't really subscribe too much to the whole rush to max level, though. Uh, at least I haven't been doing that for most of the MMOs that I play. So, like, it took me a long time to get to max level in 14 because I was doing story. Then after I would do the story, yeah, yeah. I would do the relevant raids of set expansion and yep. all of the things that I could. And then I would move on to the next one. Like, I actually see all of the content. That's how I played through it. And for mm -hmm. instance, New World, I also did not rush to the point where I'm almost like 200 hours in and I'm level 46, I think, because I yeah. spend a lot of time actually just exploring the world, like saying, oh, it's over there. Let me craft this thing. Like last night I was trying out some stuff that, that we'll be talking about. I, I don't want to get into New World just yet. But, you know, the yeah. point is you can, can, there are systems in these games that do allow you to enjoy it before you get the end game. The problem is the communities as a whole they are focused on the same mindset that you just brought up of like, no, got to get the end game super fast, got to get there, go, 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 super fast. And yes, but there are enjoyable things to do at end game, but I feel like mm -hmm. not only the developers have to do interesting things along the way, but the community itself has to also start considering that maybe taking our time throughout some of these games might end up being a better experience than jumping to end game. Because like, yeah, I'm still not burned out on New World. Because I'm still not at level 60. There's still a million things for me to discover. But yeah, a lot but of people to, are. But you have to remember, it's conditioning. It's not like it starts that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one starts playing Mass Effect and think to themselves, God, I have to get to endgame as quickly as possible, right? It's about that journey. It's about the story as it unlocks. This is the same thing that uh, you brought up Final Fantasy. And Final Fantasy is a good example of an MMO that did it wrong in the, at the start. Even with A Realm Reborn, it, it was a very slow burn in the beginning. Like, a lot of people quit in the first 30 levels because they just can't fucking stand getting through that shit. If you stick, you start discovering that it is all about the journey. It's not about the destination. And you have to enjoy that journey as much as possible. So it is an exception to that rule. Now, New World is sort of, uh, it's a game that went through so much shit that I don't know if it really fits in any of the categories because when it first launched, the the early game experience was rather shit, but the end game experience was fucking atrocious. So, you know, <laughs> it didn't really have anything going for it. There was the only thing you could say about New World to a friend to get them in is that it's a beautiful world and the crafting yeah. is fucking sick. Other than that, there was nothing really to to say about that game. And I have been meaning to get back into it just to try it out, but, you know, I'm busy with other shit. Um, but yeah, this is sort of my... The problem is conditioning. So when people come into your stream and they're like, dude, should I try this again? They're doing it because they've been conditioned to know that MMOs start at max level. So they're going to have to put in the effort to actually to time, get yeah. to where the game gets good. Um, and even when the game isn't like that... This is, again, uh, when I started covering Final Fantasy for the first time, I would get so many people in my comment section that'd be like, oh, yeah, I tried that game. I quit at level 20. What a fucking shit game. And yeah. then I would ask them, so how did you play? And they like, oh, I, I was trying to get to match level. Do like, all of the quests. So you skipped the fucking story. 
right? And they're like, yeah, why would I read the story? I'm like, dude, because that's the fucking game. That's the like, point. The game is the story. If you don't read the story, what are you fucking playing? Because it's not meant to be played there any are, other way. There are people that skip the story and do end up enjoying the game significantly still, which I find interesting. There are a lot of people I, that will skip through the story and then like they might end up playing it later in New Game Plus, or whatever, but they just enjoyed the, mm -hmm. the raiding scene, which I can understand because yeah. the raids in that I, I mean, game are sure. fucking awesome. If you're like Scripe or, you know, one of these hardcore raiders or something like that. But then there's also the example of someone like Quinn, who quit, uh, like skipped everything, paid to skip everything, got to max level and uh, couldn't understand a fucking thing. Like the game just <laughs> didn't make sense to him because he skipped the parts that would have taught him how the game actually functions and works. Dude, it was hilarious you know, so watching him in that raid. Like <laughs> it, it was funny because like, I think he overlapped like two or three telegraphs stood yeah. in all of them and then was like where were the heels <laughs> bro yeah literally nobody could heal that <laughs> like little your heel is gonna be a resurrection <laughs> dude that's your fucking heel <laughs> i'm gonna battle res you <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the that's the sort of mindset that people have nowadays and the sad part is that all new mmos as well as world of warcraft and a couple of existing ones play into that they, they know that they can make more money by putting more effort into the end game. And then the, the early game gets completely forgotten. See, you know? I actually... The, the world I actually, is no longer a character. I disagree with that. I don't think you can make more money by putting all of your eff your eggs into the end game basket. As a matter of fact, I think it's the opposite. I think a, a big reason why World of Warcraft mm -hmm. is beginning to suffer more and more, and like if you watch the... Bellilar video where he talks about the numbers, the number of guilds that cleared mythic and the number of guilds that cleared heroic and the huge decline that you are getting on said numbers. Yeah. Then you will see that like World of Warcraft is suffering and what is it suffering from? It doesn't have any new blood. Why doesn't it have any new blood? Because the starting player experience is fucking terrible. You're going to funnel yeah. people from Exile's Reach or whatever the fuck it's called into fucking BFA. Like, people are going to yeah. have no investment into this. You need to be able to, like, work out a way for people to experience what it was like, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of TBC, mm -hmm. a little bit of... Like, you need to condense these experiences into, like, let's say, for a brand new player, yeah, like, five hours of vanilla, five mm -hmm. hours of TBC, ten hours of Wrath of the Lich King, because that was clearly the best. Uh, and then, like, I don't know, yeah. two hours of Cataclysm or something. Uh -huh. And then, like, a, a quick visit to Mist of Pandaria, like, 30 minutes or some bullshit. Hey, there's pandas here, and let's let's leave. <laughs> you know, but basically, yeah. you need to be able to condense these stories into, like, yeah. a 30 hours or so leveling mm. experience for the new players. And until somebody at Blizzard actually does that... The new player yeah. experience is going to continue to be miserable, which is terrible. But you see, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, no, I, I just wanted to say you, you're committing what is called the Vulcan fallacy, where you assume that you're dealing with a rational actor. These gaming companies aren't rational. The people yeah. that make these decisions aren't gamers. And if you think about it, if you make a great leveling experience, you can't sell level boosts. Because why would anyone boost through a good leveling experience? I mean, it makes no fucking sense. So your, your no, sales actually, are going to go down there. Actually, here's the thing. It doesn't make a lot of sense, say, in Final Fantasy fourteen, because mm -hmm. your one character can play every role. But it yeah. does make sense in World of Warcraft, where say, oh, I want to play an alt. 
But it's like maybe you don't want to go through the, the, the leveling story again because you've already watched it and then you can buy a boost. So you can still have a good leveling experience and sell boosts and, you know, get the the new player in. You can do yeah, all of these it, things. It, they don't cancel each other out. If you're... If we're talking about a proper good leveling experience, so again, I'm going to go back to single-player games because they tend to have the best leveling experience, mainly because it's not built to be a leveling experience. Yeah, The levels are just sort of part of getting more powerful. Um, if you go back to Mass Effect, I've done a playthrough now on virtually every single class that that game has to offer, and every playthrough is different because of how you engage with the game based on the class that you play, how you view combat based on the co uh, the class that you play, based on how you play the class. Um, the, the gameplay, and, the, and uh, it's fundamentally different. Now, when I say make a good leveling experience, I'm talking about balls to the wall good. In other words, you have separate storylines for every single class that exists in the game, uh, which yeah, is pertaining to that class. Listen. It's a great story all that shit, suddenly people don't want to skip it because there's new things to unlock there. You're not going to do that because you can't sell level boosts to a great yeah, storyline. but it's like, look, you're asking for one uh, one mm -hmm. story per class. Like, that's too much. I'm just asking no, no, no. for, like, one concisive 30-hour thing for every class. I think yeah, my yeah, idea is, is, is doable. I don't think your idea is doable. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, uh, again... Not not asking for a separate storyline for each class, but I'm not willing to say because what we're doing here is we're now arguing over what is doable and what yeah, should yeah, be yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? What is doable is the bare minimum because that's how they make their money. What should be done is uh, the absolute maximum to make sure that your game is as good as it can possibly be. And what I'm referring to when I say different storylines for different classes, Legion. Legion had a single oh, storyline right. that played through the whole one, but depending on the class that you played, you got extra storylines for each of those classes. And that is part of what should be done for a great leveling experience because now suddenly people aren't buying boost. But even then, we can go even further and we can say, okay, so when it comes to mounts, you're not going to sell as many mounts when your focus is on the entirety of the game. But at endgame, when people start going, okay, I don't know what to do, so I'll just become a collector, now you can sell a bunch of mounts. Now you can sell a bunch of, uh, like, XP boosts and XP skips and all the rest. And World of Warcraft haven't dived into this stuff as much as they could, because I think, just off the top of my head, I can think of, like, five new monetization things that Blizzard could do with their current model that would make them a crazy amount of cash. Yeah, uh, you know, just let's, just let's not talk about those. Let's not no, give no, them ideas. No, I'm not. I'm not giving them ideas. Although I think Bobby Kotick dreams of these things when he's yes. fucking masturbating. But um, you know, it, it's sort of like there's more money to be made when you focus purely on endgame, and also because focusing purely on endgame is so much less work than focusing on the holistic whole of the game, because. At the end game, all you have to deliver, and Blizzard literally is what they've done for the last three expansions, eight dungeons, one, maybe two mega dungeons uh, throughout the course of the expansion, and three raids. And then, of course, you have the battlegrounds. Blizzard adds battlegrounds like once every two or three expansions, and you have your arenas. Very few get added there. So at the end of the day, that's all you have to do. When you have to make a good leveling experience, you have to... A, probably four or five times the amount of content that you have to make for the game 
just in order for it to be a good leveling experience, which one are you going to choose? The yeah. the less work, more money, or much work, much money. But again, the it's it's not as uh, I mean we're kind of arguing back and forth, but it's like yeah, it's not as if these things work just like that because, like I said, when you neglect your new player experience, you end up in the situation that you are right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. See, that's but the thing. Is, so you have to make a deposit into that new player experience at some point. Yeah, yeah. And Exile's Reach ain't it. Exile's but Reach is a glorified tutorial, bro. Yeah, but this is why I said you're committing the Vulcan fallacy because I agree 100% with you. But yeah, but companies don't are, have gamers there, yeah. Exactly. If we assume rationality, then we're wrong because the fact is they would make a crap ton more money. If they had a great leveling experience, yes. a great starting experience, and a brilliant endgame experience. But because they're not gamers, they don't think of it this way. It's 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 but, again, it's it's one of those situations where companies grossly uh grossly overestimate uh the importance of endgame, where endgame is important, yeah. but it's also important in order to again, in order to make you money, I would I would argue it's almost more important to make sure that the game has good onboarding. Like, if your end game is good enough, people will stick around. If you yeah. have excellent um, onboarding, you have more people jumping into the game, and then you have more money, and then you can use that money to improve the end game even more. So at yeah. that point, you'll have a good onboarding experience coupled together with great end game, which, you know, it, people are going to be hooked at that point. The problem is nobody oh, is willing to put in that effort almost. Well, I say nobody. Final Fantasy fourteen is... They keep yeah. every every new patch that you see in Final Fantasy fourteen. They go back and they mm -hmm. add new things to Realm Reborn, new things to Heaven's Word, new things to Stormblood, and people are like, "Bro, I'm I'm an Endwalker. The fuck do I care? You care because there's gonna be new people coming into the game, and that way yeah. the game stays vibrant for a long time to come. And you know, and you're probably gonna do it again because you want to see what this new shit is all about. Yeah. And uh, if I'm listening to the people that sort of retried uh, some of those dungeons and, and trials that were completely reworked, they're loving it now. The the yeah. new experience is so much different to the old one. Um, you know, so yeah, it, 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 that is exactly it. But that's also, and I think a, a strong starting experience and a strong leveling experience just adds to the effect that the end game can have on you. Because when you're emotionally invested, it becomes so much more important. My favorite raid of all time is ICC. Why? Because I am so incredibly invested in the story of Arthas. I wanted to see how that shit ended. So I logged on every single day and I raided that shit every single day because I wanted to see the end of Arthas. I wanted to see how this story comes to an end. Uh, same with Ulduar. Even with the trial of the Grand Fucking Crusader, you know, we were doing that shit. And while it was definitely not the greatest raid, although it did have some of the coolest instances. So, for example, the PvP fight there was just absolutely fucking brilliant uh, as far as a raid fight. And I'm, I'm kind of sad that we haven't had anything like that since because I thought it was a really cool idea. Sometimes executed poor poorly, but still pretty good idea. Um, you know, you were invested in it because you were invested in the story. Because the story was really good and you wanted to be part of it. Nowadays, it almost feels like a lot of people do dungeons and raids, even though they don't quite understand the significance of it. You know, they're going yeah. to kill Zuval and they don't really give a fuck about who Zuval is. 
It's all just about finishing the raid. You know, you don't really give a crap about the actual story there. Um, and that that is also probably another reason why so few people are raiding these days. Because a lot of people just don't see the point. They're not invested in the story. The, the raid's story doesn't matter to them. Because they don't even really follow the story that leads up to the raid. Um, and, and yeah, it, it is I just all coming to an end. I don't necessarily agree that it's about the story. I think that the raiding thing is more about like... Uh, the the arms race of the add-ons. I think that is what is breaking the raiding scene because, like, mm. you see people doing the raids in fourteen, and you don't see this same level of burnout of people like, oh, I have to quit raiding after this raid because I'm so stressed out over having to figure out which fucking add-on mechanic. Even with add-ons, the mechanic sometimes just looks like random bullshit. It's like, oh yeah. This mechanic is random bullshit. There's just not a whole lot you can do about it. Somebody's going to fucking die because it's just the way that it goes. Whereas in, in, in 14, I feel like the mechanics are much more calculated. That would have been so... Like, like I mean, listen, we're... listen. Here, here's, here's, think of it, for instance, the amount of nerfs that Blizzard has done to uh, uh -huh. the current Mythic raid tier, which has been yeah. completely obscene from my understanding. I don't know if it was Mythic or... But I, I remember watching on Bell it's like bunch of fucking nerfs like every other week nerf this nerf that nerf the other bro you want to know what was the the biggest adjustment that square enix did to the current savage tier yeah <laughs> they nerfed the final boss his health by one percent well there you go but because they're not <laughs> so i just want to i just want to point out we are sort of talking about it's two different things there is a problem with how blizzard is designing yes. their raids that is true but that would not shine through on normal because normal is actually still one of those difficulties where you don't really need that many add-ons because a lot of the abilities that would require those add-ons are either completely undertuned in normal or sometimes just straight up removed from the fight. You, you're not going to deal with that shit because it's just too difficult to balance on, on lower difficulties. I think you overestimate uh, the, the average World of Warcraft player. Yeah, but normal would still, if people were invested in the story and they actually cared about how the story ends, normal would still see an incredible amount of people doing it, even if it is just the first few bosses until you hit those, uh, you know, because every raid has this. They have a number of bosses that can basically be done half fucking dead and drunk in a drunken stupor. And then they have those bosses that I call wall bosses that sort of you hit that wall and now you need some add-ons. But we're not even seeing that. If you watch Baliela's video, all of the numbers are down. Even the first yeah. boss is like I super low compared to I think that's any previous also, raid. I think that's also a consequence of quite simply a lot of the younger generation is quite is just not playing MMORPGs. And the older generation does not have as much time to organize groups as they used to. So... I the I only, think I, the only real solution there is to reduce the amount of players required for participating yeah. in a raid, which is kind of like the way that Final Fantasy is doing things. Like, hey, eight players is a lot easier to organize than 20. The thing is, it's not obvious to me that young people don't want to play MMOs. I just think MMOs these days are too shit to really get young people interested in them. But, I mean, I was young when I started playing WoW, and I fucking love it. Yeah, but it. it was it was different times. Yeah, but I don't think times have changed that much. Sure, you mobile have games. There weren't shit like there that, weren't but... nearly as many mobile games when we were playing World of Warcraft, dude. 
Yeah, but mobile games are fucking like I don't necessarily think yeah, that kids it's are just growing. young people. Kids are growing with these mobile games, dude. Like there's still kids nowadays. I mean, they're I playing see some. they're playing Fortnite on their phones. They're playing Genshin Impact on their phones. Like th this is what you are getting when it comes to gaming. And that's a problem. Yeah, but I mean, even Genshin Impact, that is a a um Actually, yeah, this is it. Here we go. All right, so the number of mobile gamers in 2021 is 2.6 billion. 50% of gamers play mobile games while in the bathroom. 34.1% players in the U.S. are of high-income households. 55% of players in the U.S. are women, and 45% are men. Stats from 2020 show that 43% of women play games five-plus times weekly. In-app purchases have been made, 62% of mobile gamers uh, under the age of 13, the average age of mobile gamers is 36.3 years. Oh, 32.7% uh, of mobile gamers are between the ages of 25 and 35. So you're not even talking about, um, like, that young. The average age being 36.3, then they say I'm around 86% so of Gen Zers play games on their mobile devices. I don't want so to believe this article. But the funny thing about this is that of Gen Zers who do play mobile games, that 86% of them, or who do play games, 86% 86, 86 of them play mobile games. Yep. But the average age is 36.3. So that means that there are still more older people that play mobile games versus younger people that play mobile games. And I genuinely do believe that it is just a case of Gen Zers on... And, and this is, by the way, this is sort of one of those things where the gaming companies are going to fucking cock themselves very soon. You want to know why? Uh, it is wildly known. Like, everyone knows this. Gen Zers don't have money. This is the first generation that's going to be much worse off than any of the previous generations, right? Um, so Gen Zers are already struggling. PC games are now becoming as fucking pay-to-win as most yeah. mobile games are. And you're dealing with an audience that already doesn't have the fucking money and that might be why a lot of them are just not opting into the video game scene to begin with, because they don't even have money to, to do fun things. Why the fuck are they going to spend money on a video game that they also have to buy to play? Um, if you look at it, I genuinely believe that it purely comes down to the fact that games nowadays are just in such a state that it's not getting young people involved in it. But I don't think it has to do with the genre. I think young people would still get into MMOs if MMOs actually made some fucking effort. The problem is, and I will say this, uh, of the most people that I met in Final Fantasy XIV were quite fucking young. Like, I was actually quite surprised. So it means, WoW, it means that they can recognize that, uh, that additional effort that the developers are putting in. Yeah, they, they can most likely see that, hey, this seems to be a good game and it seems like the developers care, so we'll give it a try. We'll we'll definitely try it out. Because in WoW, whenever I meet someone, they're my age, you yeah. know? And I'm not saying I'm old, but, you know, I'm not I'm not a toddler anymore. Um, but when in Final Fantasy, I would say 80% of everyone that I met there was like between the ages of 16 and 24, um, which was eye-opening to me. Now, again, I know this is a tainted figure because it's one man's opinion and one yeah, man's yeah, yeah. anecdotal evidence. But, you know, considering the fact that I meet very few young people that actually play WoW, um, most of them complain about WoW. They they don't like it. They tried it. 
but they don't like it because of X, Y, Z reason, you know, that we've gone through millions of times before. So yeah, I, I do think that, I think the best way to end this debate or discussion is there are many problems currently within the MMO markets and you can basically close your eyes, throw a dart at a dartball, dartboard and you will hit a problem, right? That's how many fucking problems from early leveling experience to over monetization to underutilization of the end game to overutilization of the end game. It's just like it's a mess right now. And it it I think it's a mess because I don't think any of those gamers I, I don't think any of those developers are actual MMO gamers. I, I don't think they play MMOs, yeah. so they don't know what gamers actually like. So fundamentally, the reason people are, you know, coming roundabout to the, because this is still the first topic, guys, coming roundabout to the, the conclusion yeah. here is, it seems to be that most MMO developers that are involved in MMORPGs just need to have developers there that actually play MMORPGs for fun yeah. so that they can understand what is a fun mechanic versus what is not a fun mechanic and yeah. also understand the reason why you need fresh blood, which to be honest, marketing should be the first team that would understand why we need fresh blood in a video game. Mm -hmm. But marketing doesn't give a fuck. Marketing just wants to sell you the next fucking mount or whatever, which is dumb. It's about and, easy money. And by the way, I wanted to bring something up with uh, a very rare Blizzard W. Oh, yeah? A very, very rare Blizzard W. I didn't put this on our topic list, but as I was talking about mounts, I got reminded... They added a new mount into the game, okay. Uh, which is a Death Knight mount. Like a, it's actually a really cool looking mount. It's like this this dragon looking thing with a bone face and like blue glowing wings and shit like that. Looks yeah. very in tune with like a Wrath of the Lich King theme, right? Yeah. They added this mount to the game, and all you got to do is log into World of Warcraft Classic and finish the Death Knight questline. I don't know for how long that is going to be available because I didn't check it, but I was like, wait, this is a mount that you can just play the game and get, and it looks good? Yeah. What? What is going on? Like, we I, have to acknowledge these very few Blizzard Ws and give them a lot of positive reinforcement and go like, yeah, there you go, Blizzard. That's how you fucking do it. Good fucking job, man. Giving people I, a mount that you can get by just playing the game. That's I insane. mean, that is good. That is definitely a W. And more of that, please. Yes. But I don't think... <clears throat> I don't think... I used to think that positive reinforcement was the way in which we get these companies to change their minds. But I don't think that anymore. Mainly because I, I think they know that... They know what to do to keep us happy. They, they just choose to. not to. Yeah, they choose not to because do Because... It's easier to make that mount and put it on the cash store. And sure, not everyone is going to buy it, but you don't need everyone to buy it, right? Just the only reason people, World yeah. of Warcraft is doing this now more and more is because, so I have a, a contact that let me know that prior to the launch, so this was before Wrath, like Wrath's launch came around, but prior Wrath to the launch- Wrath hasn't launched yet. Yeah, but people are starting to come back because yeah. they're starting to get ready for it. So- the launch is soon enough that the numbers are the probably going up now. Yeah. Um, even, I think, like a month ago, the numbers started rising. 
But this guy told me, like, I think two, three months ago we had this discussion. Um, now, he doesn't work for Blizzard, but he knows someone intimately that works at Blizzard. Uh, and when I say intimately, I do mean live in the same house intimately. Um, and he That's told not where me, I was going with that. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. He told me that the numbers for WoW specifically is below 800,000. I'm not surprised. I, I, I remember when I watched one of the first Bellilar numbers videos, I mm -hmm. typed in my, in, in my title because I generally believe that that World of Warcraft was probably sub 1 million. I was like, it, it's got to yeah. be like sub, it's got to be really fucking struggling. Like it's got to oh, yeah. be really, really low. And yeah, it is a big problem for them because the game was not built to be able to be run with such a low player count, which is why they keep no. milking them dry with mounts. But still, you know, I'll acknowledge the the rare Blizzard W. I I because you know the, you have you have to at some point just be like, hey, they did a right thing here. Let's make sure yeah. that hey, you guys did a right thing. Do more of these. Like fucking just do more of these. True. Now there's another there's another topic uh, when it comes to Blizzard, and that is um, mm -hmm. apparently a survey's been going out. This is a very interesting survey. It's apparently asking people about how they feel about a potential Cataclysm classic. Yeah, we we discussed this and the possibility of this, I think, last podcast or the one I before. I don't know. We've talked about this before. It's like, where do they go after Wrath of the Lich King? And fundamentally, yeah. after Wrath of the Lich King, you're talking about modern World of Warcraft. You're no longer talking about classic World of Warcraft. Yeah. Class, the classic era of World of Warcraft kind of ended during Wrath of the Lich King, which is when they started adding a lot of the systems like Dungeon Finder, like more yeah. streamlined things and whatnot. Like during Wrath of the Lich King is essentially when classic ended. Cataclysm yeah. is not really classic. So it, it, it's almost like Blizzard doesn't really know where to go from here. They just have no idea. Like, where do we go after Wrath of the Lich King? Who the fuck wants to play Cataclysm Classic? Now, I'm actually asking to anyone in this comment section, like, which one of you wants to go and play through Cataclysm Classic again? Because I didn't well, even play fucking Wrath of... I, I'm not, I didn't even... I'm probably not even going to play Wrath of the Lich King, let alone fucking Cataclysm. What? So I will, I will say this. I liked Cataclysm. Um, it all depends on which version of Cataclysm they go with. Are they going with the nerf the dungeons into the ground version, or are they going with the original uh, kill like cut my balls off dungeon version at the launch? Because I would go, I would probably go back if it's the cut your balls off version. Uh, Wait, so launch. you wouldn't that, go back that, for Wrath of the Lich King, up. but you'd go back for Cataclysm? No, 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 no. I, I should probably clarify. In a world where I played classic, I would <laughs> okay. go back for okay. Cataclysm. <laughs> Cut my balls off. No, the reason I'm I'm not going back for Wrath isn't because I hate Wrath. Yeah, it's exactly. It's because, because I've already played it. You've already I, done I, it. Yeah, it's done. I'm not that audience, right? I'm not the audience that they're going for because it's just something that I've already done. I'm not going to do it again. Um, I know those stories off by heart, and considering the only reason I play WoW is for the story, uh, I don't need to play that story again i know it already um so yeah for me i wouldn't I, i'm not there but in a world where i would play classic 
I would go back for Cataclysm. I would actually argue that I think classic World of Warcraft ended in Mists or at the end of Mists. Because you are right, all of those systems that now have almost become sort of menu clicking uh, were introduced back in those days. But a lot of the sort of old school nature of the game was still around even in Mr. Pandaria. You know, you still had the old school uh, class design with the talents, even though the talents were slightly revamped in Cataclysm, there were still talents that you could choose, and you could still choose your your sort of play style based around that. Uh, Mesa Pandaria had some of the best class design in the history of World of Warcraft, and I, I mean that from literally the start all the way up until now. There has never been a better class, uh, or classes have never been better than what they were in Mesa Pandaria. Um so I would I, say Blizzard I can't is, argue that. By the way, I never played Mists. No, I played six months of the start of Mist and six months at the end of Mist. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself, "God, the Warlock plays like a fucking dream. This is exactly what an Affliction Warlock should be." Um, and then they fucked it. Uh, of course, in, in, uh, they don't know how to do anything else. Like they see something good and they're like, "There's something wrong with that." And somebody's like, what? What's wrong with it? It's not fucked. And then they go and they f actually physically fuck it and then just leave it there, <laughs> like, destroyed <laughs> in the wayside. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I, I would argue probably. Like, look, in a perfect world, I would not want them to go past Wrath of the Lich King. Yeah. In a perfect world, and this is what I've argued before, I would like Wrath of the Lich King to take a, a, a different approach to bring out true classic plus where you add new storylines, new things, basically make an arc in a brand new direction. Yeah. So you basically make WoW 2, but it isn't really WoW 2. It's just a different WoW. Uh, I would love to see something like that in a perfect world, but if we're arguing, like, could they still get away with it? I think they could get away with Wrath or with Classic until Mr. Pandaria. If they go further than Mr. Pandaria, I feel like it's a waste of time. See, like, because of the fact that I still haven't made that video that I've been wanting to do forever about my special mm -hmm. story idea, I'm just going to reveal it here. So my idea, guys, that I've talked with Akalon about this, which he, I believe you thought it was a good idea as well, was like yeah. a really good step forward uh, for Classic at this point, and a lot of people are probably going to disagree, would be for them to actually merge the two timelines, retail and classic and how do they do this it would be something that would happen at the end of dragonflight where we would lose because we're always winning we always defeat the big bad guy we always fucking win like sure azeroth at some point was stabbed by a big giant sword and all of this but we still fucking won we still defeated everything beat the old gods beat this beat that beat the other at the end of dragonflight we would lose and because there's already a lot of themes around time traveling and whatnot in the game itself, then Chromie would kind of like send us back to Wrath of the Lich King right as Arthas is dying, which was effectively the end of Wrath of the Lich King as far as I can remember. And then at that point, turns out we needed something from Arthas that was going to enable us to potentially beat this thing in the future. And then the story would move forward from there and classic players would be given the choice. Do you want to stay in classic? And they would develop this classic plus experience where you would be able to contribute towards the efforts of the people who move forward by continuing to do activities and other stuff that they would be adding in classic. But you would also be given the option to 
move onwards onto retail onto the next big expansion which would kind of like merge the timelines and you know there's like a million things that we talked about like you talked about Azeroth potentially being evil and all yeah. of these great things that the awakening of Azeroth and there's like a million different uh, theories that could actually support this and I think that yeah. that would make for a fantastic like crossover thing and potentially even bring the World of Warcraft player base back together it would just have to be a more hardcore expansion as opposed to a traditional retail experience like maybe yeah. don't have like uh lfr let's fucking get rid of that maybe we just have like two difficulties and heroic just happens to be really fucking hard and normal yeah. becomes where heroic was and we don't need mythic anymore instead of having like oh let's have four different difficulties for every fucking raid and all of this bullshit like there would also have to be a lot of gameplay adjustments to ensure that the classic uh, players would be able to adapt to this like evolved retail experience, so to speak, and that would be the true WoW 2.0 almost. But you know, yeah, that's I, just I like again, enjoy that. big big story. I, I might still eventually make that video, but you know, that would be the idea. You have to go back in time, get something from ICC or Arthas or whatever that is going to enable mm -hmm. us to in the future do it, and then you kind of like relive parts of previous expansions changed because you now influence the events in a way that is more advantageous to us maybe azeroth doesn't get stabbed things get a little bit weird but i think that would be cool yeah i i could agree with that like we've spoken about this offline before yeah. and i can see them going many ways they could go your direction another version of doing it is just to play around uh the separate timelines of world of warcraft um, you know, another version of it would just be to say, uh, this is a different story using the characters that isn't in the, the expansions that follows. So you follow different sort of heroes of Azeroth as they deal with different threats. So you learn effectively that whilst Cataclysm was going on, there was this whole other thing that was going on at the same time that, you know, these heroes were dealing with whilst you were taking care of Deathwing. And then maybe you go to Mr. Pandaria, and while you guys were on Pandaria, there was a whole different fucking storyline happening on Azeroth that you had nothing to do with because the Horde and the Alliance have always had these, uh, you know, different sort of, let's say, teams of heroes. So Team Alpha is the one that went to Pandaria. Team Beta and we're not talking Alpha Beta here is stronger, weaker. Yeah, yeah. But Team Beta, they were or Team Delta. Let's say Team Charlie went to Pandaria. But Team the Delta, whole alphabet, Team Zulu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they went to a different thing. So you have the and that could be really fun to dive into. Yeah. Um, just as you have these, it's basically the same timeline, but not the same story. And you sort of reveal things that had happened that players on Pandaria would not have known about because the players of, of Delta took care of it while the players of Charlie was busy doing yeah. their thing. Uh, this could be like really fun things in, in a way um, that Blizzard could really explore. And I would have preferred that a lot more than, you know, just another classic. Yeah, let's go I'm to gonna Cataclysm be Classic. Yeah, I don't think the Cataclysm Classic is going to happen. Like, I genuinely don't. If Blizzard is sending out surveys to find sense. out, I don't think. It I don't think a lot sense, of people yeah. are going to vote for it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just 
at this point, you've done the classic, classic experience. And you could stretch the, like I've explained, you could stretch the reasoning or the, the definition of classic to include Cataclysm and Mr. Pandaria. You could stretch it, but it is a stretch. Yeah. You know, it's not actually classic anymore. I think that it is already more modern. I think that fundamentally what's going to end up happening is they'll just start doing seasons of World of Warcraft, which, again, to me, they don't really make a lot of sense because I think that seasons make sense in an ARPG because you can get to the end game reasonably fast by yourself. You don't even need anybody almost to, to get the end game. Like, sure, it'll probably be faster with friends, but you can get yeah. to the end game of an ARPG reasonably fast if you know what you're doing. Not yeah. the same for an MMORPG and most definitely not the same for vanilla World of Warcraft. So it, it's like, yeah. how many seasons are you going to be bringing out until these players are completely churned out of spending like yeah. two months leveling to level 60 in vanilla World of Warcraft? Like, I yeah. get it the first time around, particularly for people that didn't experience it. And that was actually w the time at which it seemed the most appealing to me. I didn't do it, but I, I was very compelled because... Like I yeah. told you, I came in on the tail end of vanilla, so I never actually got the vanilla experience all the way yeah. into 60 and doing the raids. So I was compelled, but that was literally the only time in the classic experience where I was compelled because it was an experience that I did not have. Now, if you've never yeah. done these things, if you were never around during Wrath of the Lich King, I can understand people going into Wrath of the Lich King to experience it for the first time. Yeah. But for people that have done it, I, it's just not for me. I, I just, yeah, it's... Not for me. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think, to be fair, the whole classic plus that Blizzard brought out was just a cheap money grab. It the was season the cheapest, of mastery or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the season of mastery thing. It was a cheap money grab. It was yeah. literally, and before people go, oh my god, it's free, dude. No, it's not because you have to pay fifteen. You have to pay fifteen dollars a month. People forget about that. It's not free. Um. Yeah, people obviously just like fifteen dollars. Who even cares? You know. Um. But the thing is. If you're going to talk about a Classic Plus experience, no one, not a single person dreaming of what it could be, thought that was it. It is the equivalent of your girlfriend saying a month before your birthday, hey, uh, so I've got something really special planned for your birthday, and you're thinking, oh my god, it's anal time, bro, we're going to get this. <laughs> oh no. so fucking good. <laughs> and then you come home. And uh, she's giving you a hand job, and it's like, what the oh, fuck? You know, no, what are you doing, <laughs> dude? No, you know. Uh, so it, it's sort it's of like, like listen, that. Nothing, nothing <laughs> wrong with hand jobs, but for a special occasion, I'll take the real yeah, thing. I mean, Thank you very much. Like, fuck. <laughs> it's, it's, like a hand job is like a Friday evening kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Actually, not it's even like, Friday, no. but it's like a Tuesday evening. Yeah, like know? a good hand job <laughs> is a good hand job, but I mean, like it, on yeah. a birthday occasion, like I want the real deal. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, you want you want something that's out of the box sort of thing. And Blizzard sort of gave us the hand job of of a birthday, <laughs> thing, you know. It's like, oh wow. <laughs> Really? This is like the and best the you worst, can fucking come up and with. And the worst part, it wasn't even a good hand job. Like their hand, no. their hand technique was just like all <laughs> wrong, bro. The rhythm was all wrong. It was not not good. I man. mean, not it's the one good. where your girlfriend had a tough day and she's really fucking bored. She's like, so she oh, puts her hands down your pants and she's actually reading on her phone while oh, giving you a hand job. And, you know that that's sort of the hand job that you got from Blizzard. And say, like, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> yeah, that, not that, a good that's experience. kind of the. That's the weirdness of it. Like, who at Blizzard thought to themselves, you know what people want? They want Classic Plus. And Classic Plus 
is going to be Season of Mastery. Like, dude, if someone came into my office, if I was if I was in charge of this, and the dude came into my office and said, bro, we've had this fucking revolutionary idea for Classic Plus, and they gave me Season of Mastery, I'd be like, get out. <laughs> like, get fired. the fuck out of my office. Get out, That's grab, the you grab your shit, and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Because is that the limits of your creativity? So that is how creative you can get with a classic class. Dude, you don't even have to fucking go far. Like, look at classic World of Warcraft and then say, hmm, I wonder what is kind of similar to this. Oh, look, there's another game here called RuneScape, old school RuneScape. What did they do with their quote-unquote classic plus experience? Yeah. Holy shit, they added all these things and there's so much to do and there's still thousands of players playing it every... Fuck. We could do that. Like, how hard could it be to do that? But no, we'll give you Season of Mastery because that's cool and new and not like unlike anything we've ever done before. It's like, dude, you guys are like, Jesus, your job as a game developer is to be creative. And you found the least creative way of doing a classic plus experience and speaking it's of annoying. absolute lack of creativity i think that is the perfect mm -hmm. launching point to the next topic which is the overwatch 2 battle pass oh my god what an absolute lack of creativity when you're like we're gonna have this game it's gonna be free to play I'm gonna put a battle pass on it and then we're gonna sell you heroes on it but Rurikon, it is Overwatch 2. It's a brand new it's game. It's a brand new Different game. completely yes. to Overwatch 1. It's not even the same. It's got a PvE DLC. Listen, Akalon, let me tell you something. 5v5 yeah. as a format is yeah. completely and fundamentally different in every way from 6v6, yeah. okay? Oh, yeah. Change it completely. That's what you need to understand. Yeah. It's like going from chess to teamfight tactics. It's different in its entirety. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I can see it. I, I'm, I'm convinced. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> so basically, guys, for those of you that don't understand what's going on, so it's been leaked. I don't know if it's been officially confirmed. I, I know that there's been some official talk around it as well. But uh, Overwatch 2 is obviously getting a battle pass because every fucking game and their mother needs to have a battle pass. Yeah. Uh, and in this battle pass, that, that is where you will be able to get the new heroes. Now, the oh, yeah, it's not just a leak. It's been confirmed by Blizzard. Yeah. That's how it's going to so, happen. So, so the situation here is, because of course, when you have a battle pass, you don't just have like one track to the battle pass. You have the... You have the battle pass, then you have the the premium battle pass, and then you have the ultra yeah. deluxe version of the battle pass. And they say the heroes are going to be on the free version of the battle pass, mm -hmm. but and there's a big butt in there, like a big old butt. But if you buy the premium version, you instantly get the new hero. Now this oh, is yeah. not this is not me saying it by the way because I'm not an Overwatch pro, but I do know an Overwatch pro who is Stylosa, which I actually do know him personally. I I actually got him. Uh, I introduced him to Dark Souls a long, long time ago, which was uh, some hilarious videos came out of that. 
British nice. people are funny, dude. British people are fucking hilarious. But anyway, so um, I, I watched Thalosa's video, and in that video, Thalosa basically says that, you know, whenever a new hero comes out in Overwatch, it tends to be incredibly powerful. Huh. Yeah. It's almost like there's a theme in Blizzard. So which which thing can I think of? Let, let, me, let me just think real quick. When was it that Blizzard added a new class into the game? Oh, that's right. It was Wrath of the Lich King. It was the Death Knights. Now, were the Death Knights broken when they were... No. Were they, no, Echelon? good. No, no, the, no, they were fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were not broken at all. No, it was perfectly balanced. No, no problems no, I, at all. I mean, I mean, it is completely acceptable for <laughs> a guy to go into a battleground and have like 40 kills and zero deaths. Yes. Um, and everyone else just fucking runs away when they see him. Because <laughs> yes. That's like normal shit. Or yes. when they added monks and uh, they yes. were also very balanced. Or yeah. demon incredibly. hunters. Jesus, De demon hunters were in the game. Yes, demon hunters incredibly balanced. Totally not completely yeah. fucking busted beyond belief. Still to this day, I believe. Still busted to this day. Like beyond I any. I don't know, but I know they were super overpowered. Yeah. When so they so first it's like came you guys out. can kind of like see a theme from our experience in World of Warcraft. Whenever Blizzard adds yeah. a shiny new thing. It fucking breaks the game. Why? Because they want you to play with the shiny new toy that they brought up. That That's usually how it goes. Yep. So naturally yeah. with Overwatch, Stylosa was making the claim that it's kind of like the same thing. Whenever a new hero comes out, it's usually meta. It's usually a meta hero and you know it's just going to be a beast of a hero that is going to destroy everything. So fundamentally yeah. when you have something like this, behind the paywall, because remember you can instantly pay to get the hero, therefore... Yeah you can make the argument it's pay to win because you are paying to get the better hero. And even if you make the argument, which I know that some people will because there's always Blizzard defenders out there, even though Blizzard doesn't mm -hmm. deserve them anymore, there's always Blizzard defenders that are going to come up and say like, well, what if the hero is perfectly balanced, huh? What is your argument then? Well, my argument is quite simple. Overwatch, and again, this is not me saying it because I'm not an Overwatch professional. This is Stylosa, who I, I believe even mm -hmm. did Overwatch coaching for a while, if he's not still doing it. But Stylosa basically said, and this is something that I agree with from what little I have played of Overwatch, because I did cover Overwatch significantly when it came out. Overwatch is a game based around counterplay. So somebody picks a hero on the enemy team. That hero is very powerful. It's damaging your team. You are able to pick a hero that counters that hero in order yeah. to negate that team's advantage. That's one of the things that yeah. you do a lot in Overwatch. You get in there, you're like, okay, the, the enemy team has like, the examples I've given, it. they're probably wrong because I don't remember what the counters were, but let's say, oh, the enemy team has a Mercy and this Mercy is playing really, really well. Then you could potentially counter pick with a Reaper because Reaper can like teleport and do all this crazy shit, teleport behind enemy lines, bust up that Mercy's face, boom, done. Now imagine yeah. if the Reaper was the hero that is in the fucking uh, battle pass thing. Oh, turns out that free-to-play players don't actually have the ability to counterpick for certain heroes by using the brand new one. So once again, pay to win. I would argue there's a deeper problem that I have with this. And yes, people are saying, well, it's on the free track. Okay. I fully understand and support that. But what happens when the battle passes over? Because they, they've, said, they've said that those heroes will return. And other battle yeah, passes. But, yeah, but that's the problem. Because even if that... So it will return another battle passes. 
but it doesn't say that they will now be available in every battle pass. Yep. Just that maybe in two or three battle passes, that hero from the first battle pass will finally fucking return, or they you can buy it, it straight off the shop. Hey. It's a good deal, man. Be added to the shop. It's a good fucking deal. Just buy the hero off the shop. But here's where I... So first and foremost, it is that FOMO thing. It's that thing yes. of like you you have a fear of missing out. Battle The pass, other man. problem is, of course, just the imbalance of the whole fucking game and, and how it's going to throw things completely out of whack. And what bothers me, what seriously fucking drives me up the wall about this, they have a blueprint again for how you can do this and make bank. League of Legends. Mm. League of Legends releases a new champion once every two months or so, sometimes faster, sometimes a little bit slower. It really depends. But they, they release new champions fairly regularly. Those new champions are also usually pretty fucking busted at launch, either broken entirely, breaking uh, the game, or broken, no one wants to play it because they're just shit. They also do reworks of classes, everyone, of characters every once in a while. But those champions immediately launch onto the store like everything else in League of Legends. With one major difference, there are two ways of purchasing champions in League of Legends. The one is if you just play League of Legends a lot, you gain uh, what used to be influence points or some shit like yeah. that. Uh, it was influence points and uh, it was IP and RP, I believe, back in the day. Yeah. So influence points was the free currency that you got just from playing uh, League of Legends. RP was the one that you had to purchase with your credit card or whatever the case was. Nowadays, most people purchase champions with whatever the equivalent is of IP nowadays. RP is almost exclusively used for skins. Skins, either ward skins or champion skins, something to that effect. No one uses it for champions because if you just regularly play League, like just for fun even, you do a couple of matches every night, you usually have more than enough IP to purchase the champions when they come out. Like, more than enough. League doesn't focus on making their money on their champions. Their focus is wholly on the skins, skins. which is why whenever they bring out skins, those skins are phenomenal. Like, they change so much. And they have the ultimate skins that they release as well, which literally changes everything from voice lines to animations to everything on the champion. Not fucking with power like it doesn't make it more or less powerful it's literally just a reskin um that's where they make their money why could overwatch 2 not do this like, why can't it have the same literally the same business model because fomo that's why because look because they're creatively bankrupt they can't even copy things that are you know, uh, good for the consumer, even though I would argue, I, I don't know if I would argue that League of Legends is good for consumers, but still it's better because you can kind of like rack up those points. New champion comes out, you can instantly yeah. buy it. Boom, done. Problem solved. But no, it's going to be battle pass. It's going to be FOMO. It's going to be all of this nonsense because that's yeah. just the way the Blizzard does things. It, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about a video game that doesn't even need to exist to begin with because Overwatch 1 yeah. should have just been supported from the get-go. But then I mean, again, I know this, this project sorry. has yeah. been in development hell from the beginning because a lot of people even forget that this project was supposed to be fucking Project Titan. This was supposed to be an MMORPG. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say, though, I know why they're calling it Overwatch 2. Like, because they why can they're sell coming the box. up with a new Overwatch. Because just, again, for people that's sort of going, but dude, 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 it is Overwatch 2. It really isn't. It's Overwatch 1. The reason they're calling it Overwatch 2, when Overwatch 1 came out, during the promotion of Overwatch 1, Blizzard promised that all champions released will always be free for everyone. That was the promise that they made. That is legal. That's binding. You can't oh, change no. that. You can't come out and say, oh, uh, FYI, uh, we're now charging for champions because we want to make more money and you guys aren't buying enough skins. If you made a legal promise that all champions always... Because if they now turned around, people would sue them and be like, dude, yeah. I bought your game based on the premise that all champions will be free always. You've changed that promise. But now it's Overwatch 2. They're not bound to that promise anymore because they never made that same promise for Overwatch 2. It was only for Overwatch 1. And yes, technically speaking, for Overwatch 1, all champions launched in Overwatch 1 is still free. It is wholly a marketing scheme in order to get them free from the promise that they made at launch of Overwatch 1. Because, again, if we're looking at that game, so it's a graphical overhaul. Not a great graphical overhaul, not like it's massively changed since the original, but it is a graphical overhaul. We usually call those patches. Yes. In most other games, that's just called a fucking patch. Um, then it's the, the, the PVE that's come out, right? The stories that's coming out. Those are usually called DLCs. You have a DLC and literally Blizzard had and done they this had, before. And they had PV and, and, and they had PV and Overwatch. They, they had this, uh, bot map that you were able to do for, you know, it was like an yeah, timed event is, that they did. Yeah. Yeah, but this is the PvE sort of storylines. So yeah. you're now getting storylines. But those are called DLCs. They did that in StarCraft. For StarCraft 2, they had all these story DLCs that they would launch as a way to try and make more money out of StarCraft 2 because they couldn't figure out how to monetize StarCraft 2. So they just monetized it by releasing all of the story in fucking bits and bobs uh, in DLC. So they've done that before. Nothing stops them from doing that in Overwatch 1. All they had to do was say, oh, by the way, guys, we have this great story involving Tracer that we're going to be launching as a DLC. It's going to cost you 15 bucks and you can play for 12 hours or whatever the fucking case might be, right? Um, nothing would have stopped them. That would have been perfectly fine because the people who care about PvP would just be like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about that. The people that care about that storyline would buy the DLC. Yep. Now they're going Overwatch 2 because we have PvP. And I almost, I want to guarantee you right now, Overwatch 2 is going to launch with a PvE scenario as part of the sort of deal. No, 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 no. The next the, PvE. The, the business model of it is actually um, the PvP thing is free to play. And then you buy the PvE thing. Yeah. Yeah, but... The thing with... The, okay, so you have to purchase it for the original PvE. This is what I'm saying, right? If you... No, no. It's only free if you already own Overwatch 1. You, Overwatch, you just, 2, it, Overwatch 2 PvP is completely free. It's free to play. If you own Overwatch 1. No, it's free to play. I'm pretty sure you have it's to own It's just Overwatch free 1. to play. Overwatch 2, at, at least from what I've seen so far, unless they change it in the last week or so, it's completely free to play. 
anybody can play Overwatch 2 PvP. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they do say, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. are correct. So they, they are saying that it's so what you are buying no when you buy you Overwatch when 1. you buy Overwatch 2, you're buying the PVE thing, not the PvP thing. And they're probably going to give you like some bullshit currency or whatever. I mean, for to the be PvP fair, stuff. But I think I understand now why so many people were a bit uh, butthurt about it. Because a lot of people were like, oh my fuck, they're, they're robbing us. And I couldn't understand why at the time. Um, because I had it as if you owned Overwatch 1, it was free. And if you didn't, you had to pay. But I understand now why so many people were butthurt at the time. Because the Overwatch 1 owners... Well, like, dude, what the fuck? I bought but this the, game. I think they said that the skins move forward. So, like, the skins that I, you have in Overwatch 1, I think they move forward to yeah, two, but, but I'm I, not 100% sure. It's not sure. the skins that people are complaining about. It's the fact that some people purchased Overwatch 1, and now Overwatch 2 is going to go free-to-play, so they basically wasted their money on Overwatch 1. I mean, I wouldn't they, say... I, I don't think that's particularly reasonable. It's like, you didn't waste your money, you played the game. I'm not... Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm assuming. I'm not saying. I'm assuming I agree the people that. Them. I'm saying yeah. that's what they're complaining about. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that the people that are complaining about it are the people that have been hardcore playing Overwatch Two One. Like, it's not like I didn't get my money's uh, worth out of Overwatch One. Like I did. I, I, played, I would say I, played I a didn't get my money's worth. I played out a of ton of Overwatch One. I played a ton. I, I loved it. I found it like just wholly uh, inferior to PUBG or. Any of the other it's battle not, royales out there? It's not a battle royale. I, I don't even like. Yeah, battle but it royales. should be. It should be because no, it's a hell of a lot better. No, no, we're yeah, we're going to we're going to hardcore disagree on that. I'm not a fan of battle royale. It's like everything. Dude, battle royales battle are royale. a million times better than fucking uh, arena shooters. Uh, I hate arena dude, shooters. Listen, I'm a big boomer shooter guy, dude. I love fucking Quake. Quake Three is my jam. Uh, is like. Fuck this! Uh, Hell this no. little, this little. Oh, I'm getting my little machine gun. Tap, 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 tap. No, motherfucker! I want to grab a rocket launcher, rocket jump into the air, and then blast you in the fucking no. mouth. That's what I want to no. do. Screw that! That's how Give I me fucking a, a roll. Fucking large Dude, map, hundred people in it. Every and, man for himself. And Overwatch, I was a fucking demon with Farah because she had the rocket launcher, and that was my favorite weapon in Quake. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I would be murdering people mercilessly with Farah. I didn't give a yep. fuck. It was great. But I love and, boomer shooters, dude. But it, anyways, the point yeah. that I was trying to make is, so the original Overwatch 2 launches with PvE. I guarantee you within the first year, there will be another PvE DLC. So a next chapter or a next storyline that unlocks. And that's not going to be free for everyone. That is going to be something where you're going to have to pay an extra $15 in order to get access to that storyline. Because that's now what Overwatch 2 is being set, in, being set up to be. It is the continuous money-making machine that Blizzard wants. Um, and again, I come back to the fact League of Legends, Riot and League of Legends made $800 million uh, last quarter. That was their... That, that was the... Uh, the uh, overall money that they made right their net income why is that not enough why will blizzard not all settle for the anything less than a billion all the money at Kalan, all of it not just a little bit all of it anyway 
you know, now you, now you guys know about the battle pass and how Overwatch 2 is going to take on at least some pay-to-win tendencies, which is fantastic mm-hmm. for a PvP-based game. But, you know, it is what it is. Some people are still going to huff the copium, and it's whatever. Enjoy your games. Do whatever you want. Uh, yeah. Don't buy the Ultra Deluxe battle pass because that's oh, a fucking scam. But, you know. I, I, I just wanted to throw it in here. This is what's going to kill the game. Um, and it before people go, dude, you have no evidence for this, we do actually. Uh, every game that has done this. So uh, Battlefield, one of the things that killed Battlefield 1 and Battlefield, no, I think it was Battlefield 4 or 5 that actually got slaughtered because of this. They had this, it was 4, because 5, five no one really liked. But Battlefield 4 had DLC after DLC after DLC introducing new maps and shit like that. The problem was that anyone who didn't buy the DLC yeah, didn't own the map. So you, I don't think they're you, doing that for this. No, no, but just hear me out, because I am bringing this around to how this is going to fuck over Overwatch and its player base as well. The problem was that now you ended up with this vast difference in player bases where some people had the new maps that they wanted to play on, some people didn't, and they could almost never play with one another because the people that had the old maps couldn't play with the people that had the new maps because they can't play on the new maps. The people who owned the new maps couldn't get enough people to actually play the new maps because most people didn't buy whatever DLC came out with whatever map. So you just had a split player base. The same is going to happen for Overwatch. The difference here is going to be people are going to get stomped in games where someone has the new champion and other people don't. And it's going to lead to a point where people are going, dude, I can't fucking play this because every game I get with someone who paid the premium edition or bought the premium battle pass, they already have the champion and we get stomped because we can't actually play against this champion. And and they're going to quit because the only time games like this is fun is when you have an equal chance of winning to everyone else and it's purely based on skill. Whenever you get, you know this, you played a lot of Overwatch 1. Imagine if Mercy was a champion that was hidden behind the premium (laughs) battle pass, right? And you got into a game, and we're talking old school Mercy, the Mercy that was Heroes Never Die. (laughs) Yeah, whenever she went, Heroes Never Die, you knew, okay, never fucking mind, right? (laughs) Now, imagine if she was a premium uh, champion that you you were still in the beginning of your battle pass, so you hadn't unlocked her yet. Uh, no, no one on your team had unlocked her yet because no one on your team bought the premium battle pass, but the enemy team did. What do you do? Like, what do you do? You, you, you can't, you can't fucking play against this. You it's, can't pick against it it's because easy. no one on your team can. You lose. This is when you lose because it's pay to win. <laughs> and that's when people quit because yep. that's when people go, "Well, I can't, I can't fucking do this," you know. And Blizzard isn't gonna rest on their laurels either. That battle pass, you have to think about this, right? The battle pass needs to be set up in such a way that it takes you reasonably long enough to unlock the champion that gives them enough time to make another champion. Because the last thing they need is seven months of no new champions coming out and also no new battle passes. Not to mention that that's their money making machine. It goes back to the whole thing of like, oh, remember, there is the solution. You can just buy the premium battle pass. So they're going to make it harder and harder in order to incentivize you to get that premium battle pass. This is the way that these things are going to go. But anyway, that's that's Overwatch 2. I wanted also to talk about New World. I've been playing a lot of New World over the the Mm -hmm. last couple of days because. You know, I did a video 
with uh, with Brian where he talked to me about the features that they're changing and yeah. whatnot. And there's a lot of things that they've improved on, even on the retail version. And there are more things that they're going to be improving on in the in the upcoming update, the the Brimstone Sands that's going to come out in like October or whatever. Yeah. Now, uh, for starters, I wanted to talk about one of the new systems they added, which I actually only started doing yesterday. And I thought it was hilarious. So they created a new trade skill. You want to know what the trade skill is? Yeah. Music. Okay. Now, I had no idea how this worked. I had seen people do it in towns where just like you're walking around and you would see somebody playing a music and the, the, the music changes. So like you have the in-game music, it mutes itself when somebody is playing and you listen to the music. Now, this is not like 14 where basically they give you a full-on instrument and you can play whatever the fuck you want. These are things that you collect as you go out through the world. You collect musical sheets that unlock yeah. more and more music that you can play. And there's different yeah. instruments. So like there's a guitar, there's like a, what do you call it? An upright bass, there's drums, there's a flute, and there's a mandolin. And all of these have like different sounds. So when you play a music, you can have other people kind of join you. And then I think that improves the, the buff that the music gives because ultimately the music is going to give somebody a buff. So you, you walk in through town, okay. you see someone doing this performance and you might stop and you're like, okay, let's, uh, the music is usually good. It's got like a decent rhythm to it. It's nice. And depending on the instrument that you are using, you will get like different tracks. So like if you're playing the guitar, you'll get a track of guitars, right? If you're playing mm -hmm. the drums, you'll get a track of drums. So it's, it's cool. It's nice. And it's interesting. And you see this person performing the, the music and then when the music stops, a yeah. thing pops up into every player that is in range of the player that was playing the music. I mean, assuming you're not in the menu. If you're in the menu, nothing happens. But if you're just watching, a menu mm -hmm. pops and says, tip. So you can tip the person playing the music. And if you do, you get a buff. Because you, you only get the oh. buff from the music if you tip them. Okay. Now, the tip costs like 10 gold, which is not really that much. It used to be a lot back when the economy was in shambles, but the economy is much better now, so 10 gold is not that much. So you can tip them 10 gold and you gain the buff. The buff varies depending on how good they were at playing the song. So if oh, they were shit. good at playing the song, the buff is going to be more powerful, and they tell you like, oh, the performance was great. They rated out of four stars, and the performance was okay. great, whatever, and the buff you know, is going to be better. And, you know, the, the two buffs that I've seen so far is like you can increase gathering speed or you can gain more territory reputation for one hour. Okay. If you pay for these 10 gold, you get this buff for one hour while you are walking around doing shit. Yeah. And now, and now you're like, okay, so this is the, what you experience seeing it from the outside. So I had never done it myself. And last night, because a friend of mine that is into music started playing the game, I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to craft you because I have all of these professions. I don't have them like maxed out, but I can craft like low level shit for everything. I'm like, well, I'm going to craft you an instrument because you're all about music and shit. Tell me what instrument you want. So he wanted the upright bass. I got the materials, crafted it for him. I gave him the thing. He started telling me what it was like because I, I, I didn't even try it myself. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So I go and I craft all of the instruments for myself and I start playing it and it's basically Guitar Hero. It's Guitar Hero. So how well you do on your Guitar Hero performance is going to give people a better skill. You also get three levels of difficulty, and they're accessible from the get-go. So it's like you can play music, and you can play the easiest version, so you play it on easy, and your buff is not going to be as powerful. 
or you can yeah. play it on the hardest mode and your buff is going to have maximum potency if you manage to land the notes properly to get a good performance. And I thought yeah. that that was really, really, it's a really neat system because you integrate into the game. Everybody gets buffs. The person playing gets uh, money if people choose to take on your buff, if they tip you. And, yeah. you know, you, you, it's a little mini game that you play and the music is cool. I thought that was friggin' awesome. Yeah, and you I can, you can, I, and you can like literally that. form a band. You can just have like three or four people, each of you with different instruments and everybody playing for the same music. Well, so here's why I like it. Because it again goes back to that the player is the content. Yeah. It's a system that feeds directly. And it's actually a very clever system. I do like that. Because we need more MMOs like this. And I think, I think New World have sort of identified their own strength. Their strength is going to be the player. Uh, they had a, a miserable run of it, and I'm yeah. not sure how much of it they can ever claw back, because I do think they got really fucked by their launch. Um, I don't know how many people are ever going to be willing to come back, but I do think that that's the right direction for New World, especially considering they want this more open-world PvP-esque kind of feel to their game, and they want the sort of capturing and stuff like this. This is just another one of those ways of saying, right, you, the player, make the content happen. You are the content. That's why people play this game. I, I, I like it. I like it. I would, I, would, I would love to see a sort of um, like array of different buffs so not just yeah, the two. I, Hopefully I think, there's a lot I think, more. No, there, I think there's many more. The thing is I only unlocked those two so far because I'm like, I yeah. literally started doing this yesterday just to check well, it out yeah. what it was like. But yeah, so I hope there's more buffs. I hope also like it would be really cool depending on how long it takes. But imagine if you could do this just before a dungeon or a raid or some yeah. shit. Yeah, it, know, it, it you, takes you start uh, playing and each, each of the performances that I've seen was anywhere from like, it was less than two minutes. To, oh, yeah. to, to do there the little music like all that's of them like were a, less than two minutes that's like a really cool way of doing buffs yeah. in a in a in a dungeon right so you say for example have uh like all of you get out your guitars and your instruments and you choose a song that gives different buffs depending on which instrument you play on and your party gets a damage buff of 10 percent extra mana uh extra health and maybe a movement speed buff right based on how good you play and then once you've played all of you get that buff in dungeons there's no tipping mechanic because that's not really why you're doing it you're doing it for the buff um yeah i don't know how, everyone's it, would, I don't know how it would work if you were if you were to do it in a party if you still have to tip to get the buff or not yeah that's a good question i have no idea how the system works i only played a little bit yesterday i'm just sort of I'm just sort of brainstorming what yeah. I would have made if it was me that came up with this, but I fucking love that system. Not because I would actively do it. I probably wouldn't. It's not really what I... I've never played Guitar Hero that's because what, it's not my type of That's game, what but. you think is like... It, I'm not into Guitar Hero either, but it was it was strangely addicting when I was like, oh yeah, let me land this note. Doon, 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 doon. Like doing a little mini game. It's fun. It's pretty yeah. cool. But again, I mean, it, it's, I'm going to be honest. There it's are, one of those side things, right? It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but again, it plays into that you are the content. And yeah, I know that there's a lot of games that used to exist. I don't know if they exist anymore. They used to be like browser games. I don't know if you've ever played them, but there was one where you're a a, a runner, right? So you're a, a dash, a 100-meter dash guy, but you have 
A and D that controls the guy's that's legs. That's Quop. That's Quop. Yeah, and it, it's and not actually A and D. It's Q W and O P. That that was the name of the game. It's Quop. Oh yeah, some shit like that. But then you run and it makes all yeah. sort of weird shit as you go. And that's also addicting as shit because you try to get it as perfect as possible every single time. And you never do because Quap no, is terrible. No, you up. But, you know, that's the that's sort of what I would say makes, like, that. that's the kind of thing that you get from those games. Uh, and it's going to work in New World as well because there are going to be people that sort of do that as part of their RP, do that as part of just their oh, gameplay yeah, and, and their and it's enjoyment. like a, it's a trade skill, so you level it up. And the more you play, yeah. the more it levels up, just like all of the other trade skills goes up to 200 or whatever. So, yeah. It's I, I like it. I it hope. Is... I really hope that New World does make Turns money around. and does yeah. eventually turn around and become a good game because I will say the same thing that I said when I was playing Final Fantasy a lot and when I covered it a lot. I don't want Final Fantasy to replace World of Warcraft. I don't want New World to go the way of the dodo bird. I want more games because more games equals more better. Because at the end of the day, if you have World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy, New World, Guild Wars 2, Star Wars The Republic, and Ashes of Creation, all fucking banging, right? They're all just popping off. They can borrow from each other. They yep. can learn from each other. They can look at what you're doing and why is that working? And is there a way for me to incorporate that into my game? And as they borrow from each other, they each get better because they don't. Uh, I heard this the other day. Someone said, oh, my God, if everyone's borrowing from each other, we're just going to get the same game in four different versions. Like, no, no, because it's going to be adapted. I'm going to look at what you're doing and I'm going to say, right, can I do this in my own way? So it's not going to be exactly the same. It's going to be similar in concept but not an execution. And that is so important for the overall health of the gaming industry. So I want more, more yeah. games that just do phenomenal things. Plus, I will say this, I was looking at you um, two nights ago when I raided you while you were playing New World, and I looked at that world, and I, there was a part of me that just immediately <laughs> wanted to fucking install because yeah. it is gorgeous. It's a really, it, it is a really gorgeous world it does have. Okay, so another thing that I wanted to bring up in regards to New World. So, I don't know if you're aware or not, but one of the things that they are doing with the October content patch that they're bringing into the game, which is bringing, like, a whole new zone, which they say is, like, three zones worth of content or whatever, mm -hmm. a bunch of new quests, storylines, all of this stuff, right, that's coming into the game. Assuming okay. that's probably also going to increase, you know, the traditional MMO thing, going to increase item levels, all of these things, right? But on yeah. top of that... Uh, one of the things that we talked about earlier was the new player experience. And guess what? New World is actually paying attention to that because everybody knows that yeah. the starting experience of New World is pretty fucking miserable. Right? You start on that beach and you go up to the, the NPC and the NPC says, go here, come back, go there, come back, go here, come back, get this, come back, get that. Right? There's a bunch of bullshit like that. And most of the quests in New World, for anyone that has played it, you can usually boil down 99% of quests in New World to like, go here, kill 10 people, collect five things from boxes. That's it. Yes. That was like yes. the questing experience of New World, right? They are revamping all of that. They're making uh, uh, a I, new uh, player experience. I actually tested this because I went into the PTR because I wanted to see what it was like. 
And, you know, it's not revolutionary. They say, oh, we revamped the questing, all of this. It's different, right? So, for instance, at the starting zone, you are going to meet a new character while you are doing quests. So, like, the, the dude tells you, oh, go here, do this, go here, do that. In one of those locations, you're going to meet another character. That other character is actually a little bit more dynamic. She's going to say, like, oh, go get this thing over here, and then you go there, and the character actually moves to a more appropriate location for the quest to continue instead of being okay. this eternal back and forth and back and forth. So they're doing yeah. stuff like that. On top of it, I actually did, like, a, a quest that I think was special, some kind of an event, because... I triggered something, and then a ship came. An actual ship started moving towards my position, and I was like, what the fuck? And then the big ship stops where I was. Like, mobs start spawning as if they're disembarking from the ship. It's not... They're not really disembarking. They're just kind of, like, spawning, but it is, you know, intended, like, okay, these these mobs are coming from the ship. You defeat the waves of mobs that come from the ship, and at the end of it, you get to fire a cannon and blow the fucking ship up. So that was a really cool quest that I did in the PTR. That was another thing before that quest. There was a quest that I did where instead of you looking for stuff in boxes, they're like, oh, you got to like destroy the resources of these dudes. So your character actually kicks a bunch of boxes into the ocean. You know, different animations, different objectives. Quests felt a little bit more dynamic. Supposedly they revamped like the first 25 levels of the game. I've heard people say that they're going to do that for all the way up to level 60, but... I then watched the actual video of the developers and they didn't say anything about doing it up to 60. They said, we're revamping it up to 25 and then we're going to get feedback from players and see where we go from there. So they're... I like it. They're revamping the new player experience and though this started up a discussion within the community of like, well, what about fresh servers? So people started asking... For fresh servers, which for people who don't understand, what is what is the concept of a fresh server? It's a server where you cannot move a character there for a certain amount of time. So anybody that starts playing on that server will start from level one. Everybody at this, it's basically like relaunching the game for that one server, right? Everybody starts at level one. Everybody does all the quests over again, which in a way makes sense because they're revamping the starting player experience. So it's going to give everybody like a little bit of a different experience than what it actually was when the game yeah. had been released. And the developers actually answered and they're saying, we're hearing all the conversations about fresh world servers. We think they're cool too. We'll be talking more in the next couple of weeks, which is kind of like almost a soft confirmation. If not a confirmation, it's the developers kind of like prodding the community saying, hey, hey, what do you guys think about this? It's it's almost like that. And now there's a bunch of people saying, oh, I want to start fresh. I want to start fresh. Now, me personally, I don't want to start fresh in New World because- I have like a fuck ton of trade skills leveled up and sure I had fun like gathering and doing all, I don't want to like level up crafting things again. That's just not me. I'm not doing that. But for the people that want the fresh server experience, I think it's cool. Like, what do you think about it? I think, so my problem just with like fresh servers, um, it's sort of like this. So do you want them to just reset all servers or do you want specific servers no, no, that it's, is completely fresh? It's one, it, it's going to be new. They're not going to be resetting all the servers. That wouldn't make sense. So it's going to be new yeah. servers that will be fresh servers. See, I the reason I find that, like, I get the idea, but I think if you just want to start a fresh character, just fucking start a fresh character. The problem with adding new fresh servers is... You're taking a player base that is already not that large. 
Yeah. Right? And it's going to take time. Final Fantasy took almost 10 years to win back players to the point where it now has just an abundance of players. So it's going to take time. It's probably going to be another five, six years of hard work before players go, oh my God, New World is actually a brilliant game. You're taking that player base and now you're splitting it off even more. I already think there's too many fucking servers in New World to begin with. Like, I lost them. I played there's, it. I don't know if they There's not that meant, dude. There's there's not even one tenth of the servers that were around when you were playing the game. I'm not even okay. Joking. That's good. Like because like when Europe Europe has, I think it has like less than eight servers right now. Okay, that's brilliant because <laughs> I remember when I logged in for the first time, it was just yeah. Dude, you could scroll down yep. a few times before you got to the end of the server. Uh, everything is in the same page now. Yeah, not that. I like that. Although, I although think that's good. Although they're adding new servers because apparently their server structure is still old. You know, it's still that old fucking World of Warcraft realm list stupid nonsense. Like, bro, I hate that. come on, but, man. Yeah. Like, that was the biggest problem they had. And like, here's the hilarious part about it, right? You remember how that was the biggest problem that they had when the game launched. And then mm. I get back into the game and they have the exact same problem. Like, I'm staring at 2,000 people queued to get into my server. So I moved out of yeah. my server, and now I, there's not enough people to do all of the dungeons that I want to do, which fucking blows. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, fundamentally, their biggest problem is still their stupid server structure. Which, which is they so weird, because Amazon does have some of the base servers in the world. So technically speaking, that game server should be able to go... the the. Uh, like way up the problem is the structure that they've built right which is like you have these servers and there's a limit of 2000 players per server actually it's 2200 right now and i think they're working on getting it up to 2500 but still yeah. there's a limit of 2500 concurrent players per server that's just wow. too small that's fucking Weird. tiny bro this it depends on the world because the the way new world is set up I can see why smaller servers is almost what they want to gun for. Because if you have a world where it's all about controlling resources and territories and you want this to be very dynamic, if if you have a hundred thousand people on that server, it's a fucking mace. Like I'm right? I'm it, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you right now. If they remove the territory control bullshit, it would make zero difference to me. Just get rid of it. I don't care. <laughs> the thing is, it's a, it's there's a, it's there's probably a, a lot of people that do care, but I'm just like, bro, I don't give yeah. a fuck about it, territory. Sadly, control. such a core part of what the game is yeah. is ultimately going to be that they can't really remove that. I don't mind smaller servers; I can get that, but obviously make more servers. But I would say be careful with it. The new server argument, I just don't see because at the end of the day. Uh, you're going to be fracturing the player base yeah. even more, and that's the last thing you want to. And do I think, and I think there's there's even a case to be made where, you know, like I said, I, I already know it's not for me because I don't want to be redoing the crafting things, like the leveling up and stuff. I think that's actually pretty fun. I don't mind leveling up, doing combat, doing all these things. That would be an experience that is actually somewhat tempting. 
But the crafting stuff, fuck no. I could never redo all of the crafting stuff that I've already done. I don't even like yeah. New World crafting. You were, you were talking about you love the I hate the crafting in New World because it's like, oh, yeah, I get like fucking 50 million of this, 60 million of that, then convert it into 7 million of this, 7 million, then convert it again into this, then convert it again into that. It's like, bro, it's, it's, it's inception. It's an inception of material. Yeah, but I think it's like they keep piling but you on. See, you see, I think you did the crafting wrong, if I'm going to be honest with you, because I think the way in which they wanted the crafting to work is you choose one, two, maybe three professions, and you specialize in those. And for all the other things that you might need from other professions, you go to the market boards and you buy it there. Um, because at the end of the day, it's so involved that yeah. you're supposed to only have a couple that you're good at. No, I and have the others all of them. you just sort of leave. All yeah, of them. but that's that's <laughs> your choice, right? You decided to play that way. I craft um, my own tools, goddammit. <laughs> and I didn't. When I played it, I didn't get far in the crafting thing. I did enjoy it, but it wasn't like it wasn't fun enough that I would fucking just play the game for it. Um, but when I did it, I, I think I had two professions. I basically went and I said, okay, what are the weapons that I'm using? Great. These are the professions that I'm getting. <laughs> and that was the end of the fucking discussion for me. I just needed the professions to make the stuff that I would be wearing and using. Um, so I kind of, I kind of get why it's so incredibly involved, but even then, um, like I, I don't agree that new player servers should be a thing. I think if you want to start over, by all means, start over. And it's not hard. As they add new servers to the game, just start a character on one of those new servers. That is technically a new server, right? That you yeah. can start on. Um, but, but I think, like like I said, I think that there's a point to be made in, in terms of like, I think there's going to be a lot of players that have a little bit of rose tinted glass about, oh man, it was so great when I started playing New World and blah. And they're going to level up to like 20 or 30 and they're like, oh man, this is, uh, I'm actually getting kind of bored. And at that point, they're going to be presented with a decision. Should I go back and play my main character? Do I invest more time into this character? Because now I'm in this community over here, but I'm not really feeling it. And they might end up in the middle of this indecision, end up not playing the game altogether. So yeah, it does segregate the player base. So I don't, I don't know, man. It's like I said, to I'm, me it was very easy to go like, yeah, this is probably not for me. Like they would have to yeah. give me an incentive. They would have to do something special. In order for yeah. me to go like, you know what? Sure, I'll roll in this fresh server or whatever. But without think, an incentive, nah, I ain't doing it. Yeah. I think for me, the, the nice thing is whenever I play New World, it's going to be basically a new fucking experience because I zoned out for, I think from level 20, I just rushed. I just want to get to the end because I was bored already because like you said, every quest, and guys, I'm not even fucking exaggerating here. It's not like I'm saying every quest and it's maybe like every 10th quest. No. Every quest is, oh, you have to go to this place. And not like mount or fast travel. No, no. Run with your two feet to this area. And then here, you're going to kill six things. You're going to loot three boxes. And then you're going to run back. Yes. And then it's going to give you a quest that's literally right next to the fucking place that you were just at on the other side of the fucking map. Yep. Again, go kill six of these and I mean, three I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you an improvement that they've done for that. You remember how you need Azoth to teleport? And yeah. that was like that was not an easy thing to come by. 
I've been no. capped on Azoth pretty much since I've played, and I teleport oh, everywhere, is, and I'm still that fucking is already capped on Azoth. A like, massive like when I'm crafting, I'm just like, how much Azoth can I stick into this thing that I don't even give a fuck about? It's like a 45. Yeah, stick 45 Azoth in there. I don't care. I don't give yeah. a fuck. It's like I got no, Azoth I, coming out of my eyeballs, dude. When I stop. played it, it was like Azoth is. Yeah, it was extremely one rare. of the rarest fucking things you can get. So I remember it was rough. It was fucking rough because every teleport would be a question of, dude, is this can worth I it? afford to spend this Azoth or will I just fucking waste 10 minutes to run there? And yeah. then it's not even like you're like you're not running like the fl uh, crow flies, right? You're so you can't just go auto run. I'll go grab a coffee. No, no you have you to have physically to... be there and go through the fucking that, yeah. paths and it, it, it was a miserable fucking experience so i'm glad that they're revamping and I, it and i think it's they added news. more i think they added more fast travel spots as well and That's i think they're adding yeah. even more with the october update i'm not sure but i think they're adding even more so there's a there's a bunch of stuff uh with that that they've been doing improvements so it's like in my okay. opinion i think they're making all the right moves and on top of it there hasn't really been anything in the form of like that I can identify at least, pay for convenience. I haven't yeah. seen anything like that. As a matter of fact, it's been the other way around where you remember how you used to like pay to transfer your items over from different things and your faction would have to control in order to be able, able like, dude, right yeah. now, any warehouse that you have unlocked, you go there and you have access to all of your warehouses, all of them. Uh, you just move everything is, I mean, at once, no cost, just like boop, 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 shuffle things I mean, around, I, move things here, there, boom, done. I get it. They were trying a bunch of new things. Yeah. They were trying to think out of the box. But like so other gaming companies and so other, so many other MMOs that did the exact same thing at the start of their journey, they sort of tried to reinvent the wheel in a lot of cases where the wheel did not need reinvention. Yep. Where the wheel was just fine the way that it fucking was. You didn't need to try and come up with something brand new. Um, and what I like is that unlike most MMOs where, and there's been many like this that just stuck to their guns, refused to fucking revert and ultimately died as a result of that. They're sort of going, and obviously it's that Amazon money. They're going, okay, wait, we've learned a couple of lessons. We've seen where we've made some mistakes. We're going to change this because just from what you've told me, it's basically a brand new fucking game. I they wouldn't go as far as a brand new game, but there's, that they've updated. there's a lot of things that no longer fight against you. Let's put it like that. It, it's more like, oh, I can actually but just I mean, go ahead and do this and boom. To be fair, that does make it basically a new game because the original fucking new world, everything was fighting against you. Like yeah. that, that game did its fucking damnedest for you not to play it. <laughs> it was trying really hard to go for you to go, well, fuck this. I'm done. You win. You fucking win, I'll, I'll log out. I'm not coming back. So it is nice that they're sort of going this. We'll see. We'll see because uh, yeah. we're soon going to see another game that is trying to reinvent the wheel in many ways uh, or at least re-reinvent the wheel in many ways, Ashes of Creation. I don't. Is I don't think. We're, I don't think soon. Well? I don't think soon is the word you're looking for there. I mean, when I say soon, I mean soon. TM, like the okay. old school Blizzard soon, right? It's on the radar. It in a, will in a couple of years. In a couple of years, yeah, we'll talk I about. They, I think they said beta sometime in 2023. So they are 
ramping up. I don't know exactly how, but um, I think I just want to point this out. Again, we've gotten through about three or four topics since uh, two hours. Yeah, like, we just do not fucking get through all topics. <laughs> like, it's just not possible. <laughs> Ooh, but yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how Ashes pans out, how New World pans mm-hmm. out. Uh, but uh, taking us to a company that is doing the exact opposite of New World, where New World is trying to be more friendly towards its uh, its its players... This is a company that is a bunch of fucking scumbags and they keep putting out the most minimum viable product. And now they want to charge you $70 for this minimum viable product. Rob is talking about uh-huh. Ubisoft and how Yves Guimol is basically pointing out like, oh yeah, our future uh, AAA games are all going to be costing $70. Basically, obviously, this is something that I feel like Sony kind of really got the ball rolling on that particular discussion. And Ubisoft yep. is now jumping in. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna do that too. Now, yeah, the thing about this that really fucking pisses me off, that pushes my buttons in so many different ways, is that when you're talking about a Sony game that costs seventy dollars, you're talking about a you know a Last of Us. Even though Last of Us One, I don't think should cost $70 because it's a game that came out on PS3, PS4, and now PS5. I don't think it's particularly yeah. fair that games cost cost $70, but, you know, that's a, a whole nother discussion. But when you talk about things like, say, a Ghost of Tsushima, when you talk about a Horizon Zero Dawn, when you're talking about a Spider-Man, these are yeah. premium gaming experiences, depending on whether yeah. or not you enjoy this type of video game, obviously. But... Yeah. At the end of the day, when you play one of these games, at least from my memory, because I've played all of them, from my memory, I don't remember jumping into one of these games and having my face instantly blasted with a fucking ad telling me to go to their fucking store. There are no purchases for stores, for cosmetics, for any of this fucking bullshit, at least from what I can remember. And therein, I can go like, okay, so you're, you're making your games cost $70, uh, whether or not you know people are going to agree with that, it's whatever. But at the very least, you're not blasting me non-fucking-stop with cosmetic yeah. microtransactions. And in the case of yeah. Ubisoft, you know they're going to charge you those $70, and then when you log into the next Assassin's Creed, whatever the fuck one happens to be, they're going to be like, all right, so you paid us $70, now we want 10 more for a coin doubler, 10 more for an XP booster, 10 more for a materials booster, 10 more for Mm -hmm. skins and all of this fucking bullshit. And we're going to use any psychological manipulation tool at our disposal to trick you into going onto our store. And we're going to give you a little bit of money. We're going to give you that first hits for free, but that first hit is going to be like 200 coins and it's not going to let you buy fucking anything of worth in the store so that you actually go in there and put your own fucking money on it and give us money. And when it comes to that, I'm like, Ubisoft, you can take your $70, shove them up your ass because you people Mm -hmm. are fucking scum. Absolute fucking scum of the gaming industry. Get together right next to EA and all these other bullshit companies. Get I mean, fucked. I mean, I would argue that I mean, I, I don't have much to add to this because you pretty much said everything <laughs> that I like believe myself. But I would argue Ubisoft have been worse than EA and Blizzard and oh, all yeah. the rest of them for a really long time. 
Uh, Blizzard is trying to get up to Ubisoft's level with the Immoral and yes, stuff like that. But they're struggling you know, to get there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you have to really try to get to where Ubisoft is. Um, but it, it's actually worse than that because, yes, Ubisoft is basically now paving the way for all other uh, gaming companies to start doing the exact same thing. But here's where things get, like, grind my gears. When we first, when the first cash shops came out on video games, we were told that there is a hard cap to the amount that they can charge for a video game, and that is $60. They can't charge more than $60 because the consumer simply rejects the the, the amount that's higher. So if they try to charge more than 60 no one buys the game. People won't do it. And games have become so expensive to make that $60 is no longer worth it for them. They're just not making enough money. So we have to accept the cash shop because they need to make more money. This is their argument. I, you're not you're not agreeing to this. No, correct? no, no, no. Okay. That's what they told us. Okay. That's what they told us. The the bullshit is all around us, uh, all the way back with CD Projekt Red. CD Projekt Red spoke about this at length. Uh, it's one of the reasons CD Projekt Red have refused to work with publishers ever again. And they now have their own publishing house where, where they publish their games because when they launched Witcher 3... They were told by the publisher that, listen here, uh, we're, we're, we're willing to publish your game in the US, but you guys want to add a game manual and a playbook and a bestiary and some stickers? Yeah, we're not going to do that for 60. That's just, we're not going to do it. And they were like, but that's literally part of the package. That's what the game has to ship with is all of that shit. And they were like, yeah, but we're not doing that. Not for 60. We'll do that as part of like a collector's edition or an exclusive edition, but not not for sixty base dollars. And they were like, "Well, no, because we're doing that in the in in Europe. You need to do that in the US. They have to fight to get that company to include." Uh, and uh, City Project Red said this: the game manual and the the stickers and everything, mass produced, costs less than a dollar to do. So they're basically losing a dollar extra so, on game sales. It's it's so that that is one of the things that I absolutely respect on and and I bought like I bought the the Switch version of Witcher 3. I've never even played it. I was just like I just want to buy it cuz they they do the thing where they put the fucking manual in there. And it's like for a lot of people mm -hmm. like that's so dumb. Why would you spend that money? And it's like because it's important cool. to me that more people do this. Like this, yeah. this is an important thing. Like people no longer have the ritual of like driving home. And mm -hmm. when you were a kid, your parents would be driving you home. And you'd be like reading the man. And if it was at night, you'd wait until they drive through the lights. And every light, you'd get a glimpse of the manual. Oh yeah, you would look or at sitting, the pictures or and sitting read on the, the stories. You know, you're 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 pre first time playing taking a shit right and then just like yeah. oh yeah reading the manual in the bathroom bro come on man it, it was beautiful it was glorious and that's exactly it according to cd project red even at 60 dollars they're still making bank like they're making more than enough fucking money at 60 dollars to bring it to bring these games out the gaming industry says no we're not making enough money because it costs us so many fucking millions of dollars to make these games even though they never actually speak about the fact that, because they all use the same logic. They say uh, $60 have been the price for two decades. Games have basically become 20 times more expensive than what they used to be back 20 years ago. 
And so we have to we have to charge more, but we can't charge more because you guys don't want to pay more than $60, so we need the cash shop. They never mention that gaming audiences have yep. exploded since 20 years ago. These days, there are billions of gamers around the world that wasn't there 20 years ago. Nowhere near that. Gaming 20 years ago was a fucking niche interest. Yep. I remember because in school, I was one of four people that played video games, at least publicly. Four. It was me and three other friends that played video games. Everyone else never fucking... They didn't even own PCs. And not, like they didn't play games. And not just having bigger audiences, but on top of it, and this is another thing that I like to bring up, is like the development tools have evolved. You can oh, yeah. do more with much less. So it's like, what yeah. kind of argument are we having here? Like it is actually, in a, in a lot of ways, it is actually cheaper to make video games now than it ever has been. Now you I mean, can argue, thing oh, but my 4K assets, like, hey, if you want to like make a super omega 4K whatever premium balls to the walls, whatever, dude. Guess what? That ain't your fucking assassin. Your recent Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft. Go go suck a dick. All right. No, your shit. The, the your shit ain't no ain't no fucking like omega super duper graphics. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but that's not not even just that. A lot of these companies are wasting their money on triple A fucking movie stars because yeah. apparently that's going to sell more fucking copies. And it's like, actually, no, I didn't buy Cyberpunk because Keanu you Reeves remember was in it. I was going to buy Cyberpunk either way. It was just sort of cool that Keanu Reeves was in it as well. You remember right? when I, they put um, when they put Peter Dinklage in the original Destiny? They put Peter Dinklage. He was the voice of the ghost. Yeah, in the original uh -huh. Destiny, the voice of the ghost was Peter Dinklage, and then they had to get Nolan North to replace everything because, you know, Peter Dinklage is a fantastic actor on screen. His voice acting was not, I mean, it was okay. It was not as good as his acting on yeah. screen because voice acting and screen acting are two very two different, different things. things, right? Yeah. Two very different skills. And so Nolan North then came in and they had to re-record all of the dialogue lines for the original Destiny with Nolan North. Even, yeah. I didn't even know this. But yeah, at the end of the day, that's really why it's so expensive nowadays, because they keep focusing on the wrong shit. Yep. But even then, even with all of that, Cyberpunk had Keanu Reeves in it. It was a giant game. It is beautiful as fuck. That game took many, many years to develop. It was as expensive as video games can fucking get. And it sold for $60 fucking dollars. That's it. No cash up, no bullshit. Just $60. There you go. Done deal. It had its other problems. But yes. Well, we're not. We're just focusing on the price right now. Although those problems were mainly because of uh, console peasants that wanted to oh play our game. Oh, my God, but that's a whole different dude. Story. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm if not. you want to be a gamer, get yourself a fucking PC. Um, <laughs> It's just as simple as that. But <laughs> did you I know, didn't have problems. You know PC. what the problem? You know what the problem is nowadays is that yeah. unfortunately, because of the fact that governments have successfully segregated, uh, you know, communities, people will take what you just said and they'll be fucking pissed at you. They'll be fucking Dude. livid. They're gonna be fucking Look. this this fucking elitist piece of shit. Fuck you. They're gonna be mad, and it's like you need to under. A lot of people don't understand the concept of banter. 
Like I play most of my, I play a ton of games on consoles and it's like, just don't get offended by everything guys. Relax, I, I want to point this out. I do not hate the console peasants. I thought you were going to double down. You should have said, I want to point no, this no, out. No, no, I no, mean, no. literally everything I just said. No, not at all. <laughs> I don't hate the console peasants whatsoever. Look, the Royals need the peasants. <laughs> Without okay. you, there we is. would not exist. Like there you guys do the heavy lifting. Like you all buy your little consoles. I predicted and you pay this. sixty dollars for those games so that we can get the good games. So <laughs> I, I can't I can't fault you for this. Even the nobles needed the peasants. So you know you guys oh, are God. doing the heavy lifting, and I love you for it. But don't complain. It's beneath you. Well, actually, it's above you. You're not allowed to complain. You're the peasants. Just just accept this. Right. Uh, as as a PC royal, I I find uh, I, I really find it offensive that you guys would would just complain. Casually you, walk you, out of frame, leave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any part of, the, of what's coming after this. <laughs> Anyways, just just back to back because we yeah, are running out of time. So I'll yeah. make my point. Um, that was the 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 reason they said we're not allowed to like they they have to have cash ups. Now they've gotten their increase to $70, but they're sticking to the cash shop. Yeah. So is what's the new excuse? You, you've just gotten your increase. You, you now can charge $70. But now you're going to say, well, actually, we have to really charge $90, but because yeah. you, you guys won't pay $90, we have to have the cash shop. And then in 10 years from now, they're going to have the same fucking excuse. And before people go, yeah, but Akalon, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of inflation things that you have to keep in mind and all that shit. Go suck a dick. Yep. The the number of gamers far exceeds the inflation numbers. And we're not talking modern day inflation. And, and, and here's, yes, here's, another thing, here's another thing that always pisses me off. You, I wonder how many people still think that mm -hmm. Hollywood is bigger than video games. Because it's not. The video game industry near. fucking dwarfs the Hollywood industry right now. Yep. So wake yep. the fuck up. And stop talking about, oh, it, it's because of the inflation. It Listen, the inflation is a real thing. I'm not saying, that, oh, the inflation. No, of course, the inflation is a real thing. It's a real serious problem. But when it comes to the video game industry, you've been sold a fucking bad bill of goods. Wake the fuck up, dude. Like yep. the video games industry is one of the most po profitable industries in the fucking world. And they're walking around like, oh, we're so miserable. We make no fucking money. We haven't been able to increase the price of video games. It's like motherfucker, mm -hmm. a piece of shit like Diablo Immortal made a hundred million dollars in one month. Suck my fucking dick with all of this conversation about, oh, the inflation. Fuck you. The best part about it mm. is like everybody's always talking about how, oh, we have to look out for the developers. The developers are being crunched. The, the, all of these things are happening to developers. Do you honestly believe that any of these $10 are going to the wages of developers? No. These $10 no, are going straight into the pockets of executives and investors and nobody else is going to see a fucking dime of it and they're still going to be asked to crunch nonstop until they fucking die. Yep. 
So don't so give I'll, me no fucking sob story about inflation and my poor developers because when I actually see a you know the companies actually pay the developers then we can start mm -hmm. having those conversations. But when people are living in like houses that are shared by fucking eight people in a house mm -hmm. that was made for two, you know, and they can't afford to eat food at the company cafeteria, you know, yeah. until that situation is solved, then we can start talking about how we can increase the price of video games. True. But I will say this, just just for anyone that might sort of have a, a, a who might not agree with this sort of thing. Okay, when you look at the rise of video gamers, um it is last year there were 2.68 billion uh gamers in the world. It is set to increase to 3.1 billion gamers um, next year based on the average growth of around, I think, 5 to 10%, which means that the arguments that they make where, oh my God, 20 years ago, you know, we were charging $60 and, uh, you know, games have become so expensive to make. It's like, bitch, please. If those numbers, if we trace those numbers back, the 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 number of people that now play video games ha is dwarfing whatever the fuck argument you can make for how expensive video games have gotten because more people are now buying your games and we can see this purely based on the fact that only in the last what two years we've had how what three games that have broken the record for number of games sold in their first week by like not close FYI it wasn't close. These games sold over 10 or 13 million copies in their first three days. Three days, because that's how that record works. It's the most numbers. Uh, the number of copies sold within three days was 13 million. If you go back to, let's say, let's go back 20 years. Do you think there was any game 20 years ago that sold 13 million copies in the first three days? impossible no nope. and and, and here's and here's the thing uh, assuming your numbers are right i haven't seen the the research on the the whole how many gamers are projected to be next year to get yeah. to put things into perspective guys if 3.1 billion people are going to be gamers like at what point next year some point next year uh, I'm assuming? They, yeah some point next year uh i've got the charts like, in front of listen, me here the the current the 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 projected human population that is the entirety of humanity in mid November 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from the, uh, the United Nations website. The projected human population is going to be 8 billion. So 3.1 of those 8 billion are playing video games. Okay. Yep. I, I mean, I'm going to, I'll put this to you. So the article uh, references it says in 2020, the global gaming industry's revenue is set to hit $165 billion with 2.7 billion gamers worldwide today. That is in 2020. That was already in 2020. So we're probably yeah. already over 3 billion fucking gamers at this point. And that number is probably a lot higher than out it, of than it eight, was. Out of 8 billion people in the world. So it's like when you start thinking about like, oh, m economy, yes, the economy is a problem, not that much when it comes to video game sales, okay? 
But it's also, it's more than that. Because again, I, sorry, I'm getting so fucking frustrated as I think about this more and more. Because it's so much bullshit. Their arguments make no sense. They say, first and foremost, we've been charging $60 for, two, uh, for 20 years. And games have become so much more expensive. But what they fail to explain is that they have cut the cost of making discs. They have cut the cost of, of even packaging. For the vast yes. majority of games, people download those games. You don't have to pay all that fucking money to make every single PC case or box, gaming box, with all the box art on top of it, with the copyrighted stuff that you probably have to pay if you've got an outside artist or even your own artist, you have to pay copyright so that no one else steals that art. And then you have to make the fucking disc, which would also be a, a, a pricey little endeavor. It's bullshit. You've, you, you've cut the cost of most games. Back in the day, all games launched with some form of a manual. It was bog standard. And a lot of games would launch with stickers and stuff inside, or maybe like a, I remember I played a game, I can't remember what it was called, but it had like a flip out chart. Like you would unfold it and it was this map and it was interactive and shit. Um, like all games launched with that box price for $60. You've cut all that shit. Nowadays, when you pay $60, you're happy if you, or you're lucky if you get the whole fucking game. Right, like most of them will only give you half the game yep. if they fucking could get away with it. Never mind extra shit. You don't get extra shit. Like the, just the other day on Steam, uh, I saw that I can buy. Like there was a game. I can't remember what game it was, but uh, I think it was Chaos Gate actually. Like you can buy Chaos Gate for I think forty dollars, but then you have to pay another five dollars if you want the soundtrack to the game. It's like motherfuckers. What are you talking about? What do you what do you no, mean? But wait, the soundtrack it's, it's, is in it's a probably, fucking game. It, it's probably like the separate a separate soundtrack, like MP3 files. I'm assuming that's what that is because I've I, seen that I, before. I it, genuinely it don't know. It can't the, be like oh, the game no, no, has no, 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 no music. No, 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 no. It is a separate sound file. I'm not saying yeah. that the game doesn't have music. I just mean like one would argue that as far as like things that you could just include in a normal fucking $40 price tag, the soundtrack sort of just goes, yeah, fine. You it's know. A, yeah, it's a the digital soundtrack. It's not like a disc. There. It's not like you a know? disc, but yeah. Yeah. Plus, the music is already there. Like, you could just play the game and listen to the fucking music. So you may as well just put the music, <laughs> like, make the soundtrack part of the original. They don't even do that anymore. Yeah. So these companies have cut costs at every fucking ton. They, they've overcharged as much as they could and made cash shops for literally everything that you could fucking imagine and they're still complaining they're still like yeah. oh, oh, oh my you know, we have to charge a little bit more it, it's and, fucking the, and the miserable. funny and the funny thing is usually the ones you see crying the most are the companies that like end up making video games that have the worst monetization practices in them and then yep. the other companies that are just like pumping out good fucking video games, they're not complaining about anything. Like from software, made Elden Ring potentially game of the year this year. Probably the biggest competition is going to have, I, I imagine it's probably going to be God of War for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. like, so you're talking about a company who's made a game of the year contender game, sold millions of copies and hasn't complained one peep about no yeah. fucking all... My, my, my inflation my inflation Sh shut the fuck up it's like the companies bullshit. that because they know that they can make good money if they just make good games so they focus on making good games instead of making fucking monetization schemes so don't come um, to me with your ubisoft sob story about oh 
my inflation. Suck my fucking dick, Eve Gimo. Actually, don't. Probably have bad breath, motherfucker. Fuck you. Anyway, that is the Ubisoft situation. And if anybody wants to argue any further about that, because I know that some people still like to go into the comments and be like, oh, but the yeah. games are so much more expensive now. You can tell it to the hand, buddy. Okay, here, here the hand will tell. She, she will listen to everything, <laughs> everything you have to say. Anyway, that's going to be it for this episode, guys. Uh, we had more topics, but we'll probably get to some of those next time around. Thank you all very yeah. much for watching. As always, Eklon stuff is going to be in the description. We'll see you guys in the next one. Stay strong. Stay safe. Peace out. Peace.